see Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right. Stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. Chicago's game day. Garcia's home. Hanson scores. Sacks win. What a comeback. Trubisky escapes again, and he's got plenty of room to run. Look at him go. There's the athleticism for the rookie. Back toward the wall. It's gone. This is Chicago's game day. Only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Good morning, everyone, and my pleasure to be joining Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Hubner with you here for the next three hours. We're going to talk Bulls. We're going to talk Cubs. We'll talk White Sox even without Bro Connor. We'll still talk White Sox. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit of White Sox as we got plenty to do. And guys, I know, Chris, yeah. you were saying this a couple of weeks ago. You were getting in fights with everybody talking about how this isn't the best time of the year because yeah. uh-huh. there's no football. Yeah. Okay. Yesterday... Yesterday, the Cubs played, the White Sox played, the Bulls played, the Blackhawks played, the Chicago Fire played last night. I froze my tail off for two hours watching one shot on goal, and it was the only goal that they scored, and they won one nothing. Um, the Masters is going on. There was so much to talk about yesterday, and it all started with Manchester United beating Manchester City. Three to two to prevent the uh, guys from popping the cork. I'm sure that Adam Abdallah, our guy right here, had had his champagne ready to go. Yeah, he was going to run around the streets. It with was his, on ice with his with his blue flag flying oh. it. I still had a few mimosas, Fred. Don't uh, <laughs> don't let that didn't let the uh, that that stop me. But they still are. Many many points. Oh, yeah. Ahead. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, except yeah. You, you still may thirteen have, points. Except, up, sir, so. I know it's nine oh four, and we're starting an hour with some soccer talk. Yeah, uh-huh. But yeah. Um, yeah, you may have to wait two weeks because if Man U can beat who is it, uh, Burnley next week, uh, you still have to wait an additional week to pop your little cork. So good luck with that, <laughs> are they, sir. Are they still going to win the league? But here's it. There was yeah, they are. Yeah, and, and we'll I guess see. Mourinho said after the game that he went over there right away and he, he congratulated Pep on winning the league and all that stuff. But what they were trying to do is they were trying to win it quicker, the quickest ever. Yeah. Yes. The first time against Man U, too, to clinch yes. it, right? Yeah, correct. So, yeah. so they did not do it. Uh, in the in the German Bundesliga, it was it was Bayern Munich winning, and that's yeah. over with. So, And Fred, to, to answer your original question, there was no football yesterday, so how can it be the best day in sports? <laughs> are you sure that, are you sure Johnny Manziel didn't play? I'm looking at <laughs> here. Saw, yeah. yeah, but Oh, yeah, you say the, the Cubs played and the White Sox played and the Fire played yeah. and there was other and then you say the Masters. The three of us don't want to talk Masters. So there's no like spoiler alert. We <laughs> no, don't you can't we do don't that. yes I can. We got three hours to go. No, we, th- that's the thing, is yeah. everybody is, is forced to talk Masters just because it's on. I, I could not agree with you more. You know what? Big uh, Bang man. Theories on every uh, every week on CBS. Do we have to talk about that? Well, I watch it every week. Okay. <laughs> I even watch Young Sheldon, too. Okay. Do we have to talk about it, Fred? I watch Young Sheldon, and it, it's very, very good. What, what is Young Sheldon? I haven't quite picked it's up pre- on it it's from a the prequel. promos. It's a prequel. Yeah. Young Sheldon is... It, oh, my God. Are you guys serious? Yeah. Did you not know this? Jim Parsons. No. Yeah, Young Parsons. It's, it's Jim Parsons doing the voiceover, setting up situations as what? he was growing up as a kid in Texas. It's like yeah. the Wonder Years of... Yes. Uh, of Big, Big Bang, Bang Theory. Theory. Yeah. Yes. 
I've sat through all of those promos on CBS during the Final Four uh-huh. and all this coverage. Mm. It's a at pre- no point did I know that. It's a if, prequel. For people really? that watch yeah, for people that watch Big Bang Theory, young Sheldon actually shows you where he got some of his quirks that he then carries on with him in, into adulthood, if you want to How call it that. How stupid is that? And it's, that's our master's coverage. It's getting tremendous ratings. No, I, that's all that matters. Listen, I understand yeah. how this country works. Uh, that doesn't surprise me one bit. <laughs> oh, it, it's terrible. I mean, like, like that's how the CBS lineup rolls. I mean, what? Joey from Friends has some hot show now on CBS, too? Yeah, that one, I can't even remember the name of it. It's, is, it's about is he some the, guy. Is he the man yeah. left out, or is that a different guy it's called from hey, the 90s? It's called Hey Yo. Hey Yo? No, it's it not. should be. It should be. Everybody would tune in. No, but. it's... <laughs> but yeah, Joey from Friends has one. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Perry doesn't. Well, Lisa Kudrow right, is Matt LeBlanc. His name is Matt LeBlanc. Since this show has gone off track from the start, uh, what's Bull? You, you know, it's, I want to ask this question because when you watch the promos, at no point in the promo for Bull do they ever show you anything of of um, uniqueness to give you a hint of what the, the heck that show is about. Yeah, I know what it's about. Coming up but next, what Bull. is it? Uh, Bull is a guy that reviews people that are going to be in juries. See, how would you know that from the Wait, promos? Wait, that's a show? Yes, it is. There's yeah, a that show was a movie. Yeah, Remember what? Runaway Jury was yeah, the Runaway movie? Yeah, Runaway Jury with it's, um, it's basically Downey that Jr., TV right? show. Yeah. yeah. What? It, that's basically yeah. what it is. This guy is an expert at yeah. at picking and eliminating people for juries to help people to win. win. Your okay, fre- yeah. ABC, listen. Fresh idea. We're going to call it it's going to be, I don't know what we're going to call it. People can come up with the name, but it's going to be about the court stenographer. Because I feel like that's the only position in a courtroom that we don't have shows about yet. Well, I mean, you know, the court stenographer could be an interesting. Because, Coming up, ooh, ooh, it's called Unwritten. Okay, you can leave now. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. You we're watch gonna, that. We're going to talk sports the rest of the oh, time. Oh, we got to talk. Most Cal, of it. Cap is going to call in in five minutes with our uh, Masters coverage. Yeah, well, we just want to know if he had one of those drinks. I can't remember. What was the name of the drink? Uh, the Sparkling Pear or something, right? Prickly <laughs> well, Pear? It was, that... made, it was made with with three different things that had yeah. a lot of sugar in them. Yeah, oh, it yeah. was like um, those are the best a drinks, sports though. drink yeah, and lemonade and something yeah, else. And something and else. It's all sport and vodka. Yeah. No, but there was no alcohol in it. Oh really? No, yeah. there was no alcohol in it, and yeah, uh, yeah so we'll we'll check in with Cap. Is uh, I didn't realize, you know, I don't know if you guys you guys both watch. I know that Chris watches a lot of Bravo, but right down the street from Drop Bravo, right down the dial is uh, the Food Network, and the yeah. Food Network mm. has a thing called. It used to have a thing. They changed the name a little bit, but Bobby Flay's Throwdown. Yes, that's what we got today at the Masters. Right? It's a throwdown between between Patrick Reed and Rory. McElroy. It's called Beat Patrick Reed. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what it's going to be. So I'm driving in this morning listening to ESPN, and they're talking about how these guys, you know, they matched up against each other. Oh, this is good. They're doing everything they can do to make it interesting. And I understand that. And their golf fans are going to watch the Masters. I think that it is. I've got the Sacks and the Cubs and stuff to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because a guy who's never won it is in the lead, yeah. and you have a prominent name like Rory McElroy, who is only three shots back and has a chance to win and you have the chance for a guy who's been thinking about his opportunity to win the masters overnight for the last you know 12 hours or so and how much pressure that is and so yeah that's a good storyline but the fact that tiger's tied for 40th and you've got phil tied for 50th i believe so you've got 
the big names. I know Rory McIlroy's a big name, but yeah. like the household names that get people watching are not in contention. Okay, now I've got to ask this. I know it's a little racy to ask at 9.09 on a Uh-oh. Sunday morning, but you know, <laughs> when you're the leader, okay, when you are Patrick Reed and you know that you're uh, 18 holes away from the green jacket, sex or no sex the night before? That's what we're that's what we're doing here. We can ask Cap. I think you hold off until the end of the the Masters. Because they say you you got to walk that course. You got to walk that course. I don't know how Tony Finau walked the course. I don't know how Tony Finau walked the course after dislocating his ankle a day before. So we had that possibly um, happen. Okay, so Waddle and Sylvie had Mark DeRosa on Uh earlier this week. He's a huge golfer, huge golf fan. And he lives in Georgia. Yeah, he was talking about the Masters, and he was talking about Tony. Like he came on and started talking about Tony Finau. Like it wasn't prompted. He started talking about him and how he related it to Kurt Schilling's injury and how he doesn't believe that Kurt Schilling the sock isn't real because. Kurt Schilling essentially had the same injury, and he said that he had the same injury, that DeRosa had the same injury. He slipped over a wet bag once and had the same injury and was fine because the doctor said, you can walk. Right. You can walk with no pain. It's, it's all about pain tolerance. Nothing is going to inhibit you from walking with this injury. You can walk fine. Because you pop it right back you in, You pop right? it right back in, and there's a little swelling, then yeah. that goes down overnight, and then you're fine. It's a matter of, like, I guess how much you move your ankles when you're swinging sure. and, like, that kind of stuff. Or you, you can't run, obviously. But, no. but you can walk and be fine. So he was like, it's just a matter of how much pain he can tolerate. Ron, are you kidding? You know those old white men at the Masters? They make no, sure nobody runs yeah, on the course. Yeah, no one's running No on the running. <laughs> no Slow running down. My question sounds was, like me when I was watching the, my nieces and nephews. Stop. Don't run. No yeah. running. My Not question, less racy. Um, then these, I, these I'm, I'm still no taken aback by Fred's question. We'll take your uh, calls at 312-332-3776. If you're an established uh, all, golfer. Yeah, all you have to say is yes or no. We, yeah. we know we've established what the question is that Fred brought to the table. Would yes you? or no before the night of your final round at the Masters. Uh, to answer Fred's question first is uh, I think yes because weakening the legs, you're, you're a golfer. You're not... Right. You don't need your hops to, to golf, all right? I also think it depends it, it on... It out a little bit. Right. You know. I think you have to go into a routine. What has he done the previous nights? If he has, then he has to continue to do that. If he hasn't, then he he keeps with the, with the trend of what he's doing. My question is, if you're Tiger Woods today and you're not in contention, does Tiger still wear red? Yeah. He, Always Tiger, Tiger on the, red, red. Yeah. On, always on Sundays. Yeah, even I if he doesn't he have a chance, it, yeah. I don't know. Even if he doesn't have a well chance to win, to, no, yeah. I think he always does, doesn't he? I, yeah, he, yeah, pretty much. I, I, that's just his thing. That's what he does. No, I get it, but like, it's kind of, it's a little, you know. Well, I mean, li- listen. The moment that he really started to fall off yesterday, I was, I was out on the golf. Now, if you enjoy watching the Masters, I get it. The, the birds chirping, the way it looks on TV. It's awesome. Yeah. But I was like Fred trying to look at other things going on in sports. Unbelievable. And there were a lot of other options that you could have watched yesterday. So when I realized that like eh, the storylines that I'm interested in are not involved, Phil, Tiger, you know, I I really do like Rory. uh, I mean, um, Ricky Fowler. So I think it's cool that he's involved and I might watch later today because of him. But outside of that, I don't really have the same interest level as some people who are big-time golf fans. I like golfing. I don't like watching golf. Do you like Ricky Fowler because of the insurance commercials? Yeah, they're great. Yeah, no, I, mean, I like I like that he has a well, little personality. A p- yeah. I like that he hasn't won a uh, major yet. Yeah, I like him. 
Yeah, and he's got the flat billed hat. Yeah, why not? Yeah, he wears colors and all kinds of things. Puma. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it's fun. If you're a golf fan, you want to watch it. It's, it, it's you know, the first major of the year. You want to get out there and see it, and that's that's fine. You know, like I said, soccer it's like, comes yeah, it's like our today. soccer. Like I'm not yeah, gonna exactly. Like, I'm not gonna try to convince people to watch soccer. But yesterday's game, even though Manchester City lost, was a if you're a casual soccer fan or never seen and weren't interested in it, right. it was on NBC, so it was on network television. Yes, it was. It was a it was a phenomenal soccer game. But it's like the same thing. I don't. Chris and I have been tweeting and talking about the Masters since Friday night, and we get the same response. How dare you not watch the Masters? Well, don't. I know. Don't it, the, tell the, me what more, I'm supposed to watch. The more you force me to yeah. watch it, I'm, I'm not less likely to watch it. Yeah. I don't I, care. I'm the this, I'm this silly guy growing up that I used to not like. I, I didn't like Zeppelin, the Stones, and the Who because everybody listened to them. Yeah. And then finally after. It was our Dave Matthews band. Every, after, right. And finally after everybody said. Well, you know, they let me leave me left me alone. Yeah. I went and listened. They go, you found oh, it on your own. Guys are pretty See, good. Here's yeah. the difference, though, Abdallah, because the Stones, the Who, all those bands, they're actually good. Yeah, they're good. Dave Matthews Band is not. Not good. Uh, you know what that is called? <laughs> that is we we've had a long thing that we've talked about on uh, our podcast and mm-hmm. all this different stuff. Fred, that's the Dane Cook theory, because if you discovered Dane Cook. He's probably the funniest person you've ever seen do stand-up. Uh-huh. But if all of your friends told you, oh, you guys got to see the stand-up special, this Dane Cook guy, he's so funny, he makes the sound of a car horn, oh, he does this banshee thing, <laughs> oh my god, this Dane Cook, he's so funny, you go and watch it, it's really not that funny. Yeah. But if you're the guy in your group of friends that found Dane Cook, early Dane Cook, then he was probably super funny. And yep. that's the same thing with the golf. It's like, stop telling me I have to. Now, yeah. if you said, Fred, Adam... Chris, you guys want to go golfing today? Then it's say, nice yeah. out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's let's do well, that. Don't let's, ask let's us do that. To, don't ask us to go golfing yeah. today because it is well it's not, not not today because it's, it's still nice winter. Out. But yeah, because the balls would be frozen on the course. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it'd be hard to hit the golf balls. Uh, we go to a place where uh, actually it's, there's going to be balls flying all over the yard. And I know that that's the la- the first time ever that Augusta National has been called the yard. Uh, we go to our guy, our buddy, our pal. He'll be back tomorrow at the beautiful confines of Wrigley Field. It is David Kaplan. Hey, Cap, how's the Masters? Uh, it's amazing. Everything you could possibly hope for if you're a golf fan. And it's amazing. Uh, walk through here. Like, you're going back in time. I mean, just every single thing. No phones allowed, so I'm just outside the main gate. Uh, the, like yesterday, I got lunch, chicken sandwich, a beer, and they have this Georgia peach ice cream once a year that they make between two cookies. Everyone's got to get it. So I did. Seven bucks total for lunch. I mean, it's just crazy. Well, I heard at Wrigley tomorrow you'll be able to buy at least a half of a beer for $7. <laughs> I think you get the cup for $7. Yeah, I, I think you're right. <laughs> Did it's you, just different. That's just the way it is in uh, pro sports usually, but not here at the Masters. Hey, Cap, well, what's the most unique thing you've seen while you've been walking the course at the Masters? Most unique thing I've seen. I mean, just to see, like yesterday, I'm sitting there at 13 green, and I'm watching Rory McIlroy hits it into the azaleas and then decides he's not going to take a drop, pops it out of there, and makes par. And, I mean... Standing all people like crazy. I mean, yeah, it's just it's just really cool. There's Phil Mickelson, there's Rory, and there's Patrick Reed, and I'm watching all these guys from you know 15 feet away. It's really cool. What did you do yesterday as far as 
uh, watching golfers? Did you follow someone around specifically, or did you guys camp out at a hole for part of the day? What was your route of watching the Masters yesterday? So I camped out at the 13th Green 14th tee box, the stand. I got there in time to get a seat right in the first row, and it was 13 Green 14 tee box, so I saw everybody coming through, and then I hustled down and got to Amen Corner so I could watch uh, Reed and Leesman and Rory and Stenson come through there and then followed them in. It was amazing. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, that's what you need to do. I mean, I, for years and years, I covered the Western Open. And if you go out and start walking the course, as you're walking it, you hear cheers on, you know, three holes over and cheers behind you and cheers ahead of you. And finding a place to sit seems to right, be the proper thing to do. And doing it at the Masters, I, I think that's a must. Do you have a, do you already have a plan for today? Because I, you know everyone's going to be trying to follow the leaders. Yeah, we're at the main gate right now, so they're going to take my phone here in a second. Okay. Uh, and they literally, you cannot even bring it into the grounds and go, I'll turn it off. No shots. They will not allow it. And they'll, t- they'll take your credential and you're done. So never going to happen with me. But, uh, yeah, it's today. I'm just, we're going in now. I'm going to go to the range. I'm going to watch some guys hit. And then I want to watch Doug Jim, the amateur from Arlington Heights, play. We need to cut him with the amateur to make the cut. And then we'll get ready for Rory and for Patrick Reed. Hey, Cap, one last question before you go. Has the enthusiasm on the course uh, gone down a little bit since Phil and Tiger are not at, at the top of the leaderboard? Uh, no, not at all. It's packed. I mean, absolutely packed. People are excited. Yeah, no, I think they're excited to see, to see Rory against Patrick Reed. I think people are fired up. And they'll count Ricky Fowler out yet and a few other guys. Cap, we appreciate it. We know it's a busy morning. Have a great time, and we'll be listening tomorrow morning when you're out at the stretch along with uh, the guys, Carmen and Yurko, getting you ready for Cubs opener. It's going to be a little colder tomorrow than it is today for you. Yep. Yeah. No, no question. You guys have a great day. Take it easy, Cap. We appreciate Cappy. it. Go Rory. <laughs> there you go. David Capley says, go Rory. As they take his phone from him. Yeah, they literally they, they, took they it out of hand, They were pulling it out of his hand as he's cheering <laughs> out for Rory. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that you know, some other people have talked about it, about bucket list things. I know Sylvia was asking some people about bucket list things they sure. have. And, and uh, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I've got Everybody's got their list of sporting events they'd like to be at. I've been to a Super Bowl game. I was at the uh, Super Bowl 19. I was at Montana Marino in, in, at Stanford Stadium. I, I don't necessarily need to go to another one. Mm-hmm. I was there. You know, I like watching football on TV. Yeah, I know you guys are big. You want you went to an Alabama game this year. Yeah, I that mean was... that was huge for you. But I mean, the Masters is a lot of people's bucket list. But do you guys have anything on yours that may be a little bit unique, or is it just you know, uh, the Cubs were in a World Series. I don't know if you guys went to that. Uh, I was at the White Sox World Series game. So I mean, is there anything that you guys have on your list that might be a little different or a little unique? Yeah, I, I think the one thing that I've always dreamed about that would just be so cool would be if. You had the means and the money to be able to go to an NBA Finals, but sit courtside and be able to go to all seven games Uh or however many games were in the Finals. So that means traveling to the two locations back and forth and sitting close enough that you're almost courtside. I think that would be one of the coolest experiences in sports. So you want to be James Goldstein? Absolutely. Okay. All yes. right. Do you know who that, James Goldstein no, is, Fred? So like, there's this NBA fan, super fan, who's at all the major 
games. Yeah. And they show him on camera, and he's wearing all, like, uh, alligator jackets okay. and hats and stuff. He's He's got a very unique look. You would know him because he's a famous architecture guy in Los Angeles and Hollywood. Okay. And his house has been used in movies all over the place. His movie was his house oh, okay. was used in The Big Lebowski. The old guy. Yeah. The old guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> so in The Big Lebowski, when he wait, when he uh, gets knocked out from drinking the White Russian, okay. he's in that living room that has the great view of Los Angeles and like the pointed ceiling. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And it, it's in a bunch of commercials. I think it's in a vodka commercial with P. Diddy recently. Yeah. James Goldstein, that's his house. Okay. He has what, a club in it, and yeah. it's called Club James, and like they people go to that club. Okay. Like it's crazy. And his thing is he goes to NBA games. Okay. So he has like a seat at Staples. So when the Lakers were hot, he was always courtside at the Lakers games. Sure. He travels to all the finals games on private jet, and that's what he does. He's a super fan of the NBA. He spends his money on going to NBA games. That's cool. And yeah, everybody cool. knows really him cool. now, so like the teams take yeah. care of him. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if it's so if the, it's all the PR courtside seats, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If all the courtside seats are all sold out, they'll add a seat, you know, like underneath the basket or something for him. Uh, mine would be. I've been to I've already been to a soccer game overseas. I right. was in Egypt and I saw like one of their derbies basically right. that the equivalent of that and that is something that it's it was crazy. But I would like to see a Manchester derby yeah, at so at, at the Etihad. Uh-huh. Uh, so I would like to go to that and then I would also like to go to a World Cup and just go to a bunch of games in... Yeah. I don't know if, you, I w- if I want to go to it if it's in uh, the U.S. here. I would like to travel yeah. somewhere well, to go to it. Um, so you're going so, to Russia this summer? No, Russia? I won't be going to Russia. <laughs> I will. Actually, I, what I about would... cutter in the floating would, uh, cooling systems over the stadiums? Okay, so being uh, Arab, I would, have, I would have no problem going to Qatar. Like, my dad has already talked about going to Qatar and that yeah. kind of stuff. So, like... I could see doing that. I would like to go to a European country and see it. Well, that's but, why. You know. I mean, I had a chance to go to the World Cup in in 06 because in 2000, they announced, they had the announcement, the 2006 World Cup is going to be in Germany. I called my wife immediately. She was working. And I said, do you want to go to Germany in six years? She, she goes, why? <laughs> I said, to go to the World Cup. She goes, watch you drink beer and watch soccer? No. So I called my nephew, who was 15 at the time, and you guys have met him. And he, I said, would you want to go to the World Cup in, si- in six years? And he goes, are you kidding? I'll be 21, that'd be perfect. So we went, we went to three different cities, went to only one game, but went to fan fests in each city. Yeah. Yeah. All the fans, it's, I talk about it probably twice a week, mm-hmm. and that's 12 years ago. So you're right. I mean, you want, but you, I don't want to go, I didn't want to go to Brazil. I didn't want to go to, uh, uh, I don't, I don't want to go to Russia. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to Cutter. My sister's going to her. My sister lives in Norway. Yeah. And her boyfriend played in like one of the third division Ooh, in Norway. International soccer, in soccer. star. Yeah. Way to go, Hoda. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> she's the better Abdallah by far. Yeah. Um, and That's so true. she's going to run. Like, she's already got a, tickets to a couple games. She's going to go. She like won the draw or something for a yes, couple Yes, we tickets. have to do. Yeah. yeah. When, when, I, when, we, when I had won it, they said, here, you won tickets uh, this day at this arena. And then you don't the, know who's going to play. No, and then when the draw took place, I'm sitting there watching, and I'm watching. And I'm, 
And it was, I go, I get a chance to go to a USA game. I went to the USA Czech Republic, was the tickets I had a game for. And then five minutes into the game, Pablo Mastoran, he doesn't cover a guy going to the corner. He crosses, one nothing, game's over. I go, five <laughs> minutes in, you had four years of preparing, five minutes in, you screw it up. Okay, I pretty much promise we won't talk much soccer the rest of the show. We've got two and a half more hours. We've got a lot of baseball to get to. Uh, James Herbert from CBS will join us talking some NBA as, uh, we're in the final week. We'll talk some Bulls. Jesse Rogers at 11, Nick Friedel at 11.30. My MLB notebook is bursting. We got lots to talk about. It is Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Freddie Hubner, right here with you. 312 332 3776 on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Freddie Hubner along with Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. Chicago's game day. We are here until noon. Plenty to talk about. We'll get into some baseball. We've got some basketball top of the hour with uh, James Herbert from CBS. And uh, the last week of the NBA, very interesting for a lot of reasons. The Western Conference, the Bulls, and what's going to happen with their lottery selection. I don't know if you knew this, guys, but um, there's a Chicago team that finished the season with a seventh worst record, and they will have a 6.5% chance of uh, winning the draft lottery. Hmm. It's not the Bulls. Hmm. It's the Blackhawks. Hmm. I didn't know they were tanking, Fred. <laughs> I don't think they did either. I think it just happened all of a sudden. Uh, yeah, they finished the season with a seventh worst record. They lose last night um, to Winnipeg 4-1. to And there's not always great things that happen in the world of sports, but yesterday there were two great things. I don't know if you saw this. Um, you heard about the uh, bus crash up in uh, Canada. Killed 15 members mm-hmm. of the Humboldt Broncos. They are the junior team up to the place up there. Uh, everybody on the Jets and the Blackhawks wore Broncos on the back of their jersey. There were no names. It was all Broncos on the back of the jerseys yesterday. They did a thing for them and they, the 50-50, all the, the, the money from the 50-50 went to the charity. They've got like $75,000. And then I didn't know Patrick Sharp grew up in, in Winnipeg, but it was his last game. So yeah. he did a tribute to him at the end of the game or near the end of the game with Patrick Sharp. Very cool things. You know, we don't talk, we rarely talk about cool things in sports. I thought mm-hmm. those were actually pretty cool. What was not cool is Jonathan Taves missed the last eight games, his career low in goals at 20. For the captain. Jonathan yeah, Taves, that's you know, a- and there's a lot of talk about his diet and what has happened with uh, Jonathan Taves on the ice. And um, I think what's inter- interesting is people in Chicago view him as a star in the league still. And I think if you talk to a true hockey person, they're going to say he's not even top five at his position right now. Yeah. So if you're the Blackhawks shaping for the future, you know, do you have to dramatically change the guys who are your stars at the top to continue to be a playoff team and a championship level team? Or is Kane Taves and what you're rolling out there with Crawford? Is that enough that next year with Crawford playing a full season, so hopefully, young guys. that yeah. these guys can turn into a playoff championship level team that we've seen from the Hawks recently? Yeah, they've been able to like manipulate the cap and that kind of stuff and keep these guys together, keep the core together for so long that now all the, these guys are all older now and it's you got to move on from some of them and it'll be interesting to see how they. Take, use the cap and have young guys along with you. You have to keep Kane and Taves around, right. pretty much. And you, you hope uh, Corey Crawford comes back and then and, then he, and he can return to form. But there's going to be probably a lot of new faces. Okay, so we did our soccer talk, and that was our hockey, <laughs> that was our hockey talk. Okay. Yeah, cross so I want, I want to make sure we touch that, that so you can cross that off. Okay, this is good. <laughs> okay, uh, the Bulls last night. Um, it, it was a game. I, 
I was at the fire game, so I didn't watch it. I I was on my phone every once in a while, I was checking it out, and I knew right off the bat the Nets jumped to a nice lead. But they're, they they fell one sh- three pointer shy of an NBA record. They made twenty four three pointers in a one twenty four ninety six one over the Bulls, and Fred Hoiberg seemed upset after the game. I was surprised. Yeah, he did. You know, the Nets took 55 threes in the game. <laughs> if, if you've been watching the Nets at all this season, the one thing you know is Kenny Atkinson has had this team playing at a fast pace, and they're fun to watch. They move the ball. They, you know, Alan Crabb, D'Angelo Russell, these are guys in the backcourt that are kind of fun to watch. They're not good by any stretch of the right. imagination, but they're a bad team that's kind of fun to watch, kind of how the Lakers are this year. They're not a good team, but kind of fun to watch, where you watch the Bulls from game to game and they're a bad team and they're not really that much fun to watch because you look at the nets and you say their structure and the way that they play if they have better talent that could work okay do we see that when we watch the bulls i don't think Cause, so because you mentioned fred hoiberg and i know he's kind of gotten off easy this year because none of us are paying attention to end of game situations right uh, how he manipulates timeouts how he has five five-man lineups out there in crunch time. That's all stuff that we've kind of put to the side this year because this isn't a year to win games. And that's something that when they start winning again, we'll critique more. But that is absolutely something we looked at when this team was trying to win with Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, and uh, Rondo and the whole crew that we used to have. And we used to talk about, like, what is Hoiberg doing at the end of games or out of timeouts or all this different stuff. So you mentioned that Hoiberg wasn't really happy last night. And... I, I don't know, like, is he supposed to, is he, like, acting a part just to be right. angry because you're losing and you have to be the one in the organization saying we're trying to win? Or are you legitimately just upset that a team hit th- 24 threes on you last night and they played a better game? They they looked better. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Well, we've always judged him this season on, like, the development of, of Laurie Markkinen and how he's come along as a player in his first year and how Zach Levine has come back from injury. And you're right, we haven't really been looking at it. I mean, in this, there's no in-game, at the end of game situation because they were no. getting blown out in this game. But you look at how Brooklyn played yesterday, you look that they have to play uh, Brooklyn again on Monday and then they end the season with the Pistons. We're not really paying attention because you want the outcomes to be bad. Like right. you want, We're right. not judging... Uh, how he's coaching because out of timeouts and stuff, you want them to miss. You don't want them to be good. You want them to lose games and you want them to lose these last two games so they have a better shot at a draft pick. Right now, they're seventh amongst the, the, the tank teams, I right. guess. Uh, so they have two games left. They only have a 29% chance to win on Monday, a 42% chance to win on Wednesday. They have a 13% chance at a top three pick right now, which is pretty decent, I, I guess, Not as far bad. as they're concerned. But if they would have lost... More games, they would have had a better. They would have had a better shot. Well, yeah, as Chris mentioned, the loss last night snapped a three-game winning streak, so they'd won three in a row. So, and, and Fred, you were looking up. Oh, in I'm the sorry, standings. they lost. Fri- they lost Friday too. Yeah, so, yeah, but, yeah, but they did win three in right. a row. And if you are a Bulls fan, you say, yeah, you know, but okay, they won a couple of games. It's not a big deal. I mean, we were looking at the standings. Yeah, it the is Bulls a big deal. Are not that far away from the second and third worst records in the league. And even the fourth worst record in the league. So if you eliminate the three game winning streak, you eliminate some of the games like a trip down to Orlando earlier in the year where you won a game you didn't have to. If you find spots, you can find me seven or eight games. And then all of a sudden the Bulls are in the bottom three. And that looks a lot better for the draft than mm-hmm. where they're at right now. And in like 
And that's what's so irritating is that three-game winning streak a week ago. I, look, look at the standings right now. It's unbelievable how that affects it. Yeah, I know Sylvie was on earlier this week on with Cap, and he was extremely upset saying that they, they can't do the right thing when they're trying to win, and they can't do the right thing when they're trying to lose. It's like they can't follow through on their plan no matter which way they're trying to do it, and that's what aggravates a lot of Bulls fans. So why did that happen, though? Is it because you saw some empty seats through the first month of the season and you kind of thought to yourselves, you know, maybe maybe this plan isn't what we're made of? And, I wouldn't and think we so. got a little itchy. Like, yeah. like because when December happened and they, they won all those games, everyone points to Nico Miritich got you a first-round pick coming back. Well, right, right. based on how the next couple of days go, that pick might not be a lottery pick. Yeah, right now it's... Uh, it's not right now because they're fifth mm-hmm. in the West, the yeah. Pelicans. Okay. Uh, they're 21st overall. Okay, so, so right now, how it would work is you have the 21st pick. Now, say the Pelicans over the next week miss the playoffs, which could definitely happen, and now it's a lottery pick. Still, at the end of the day, a late lottery pick and the ninth pick in the NBA draft are never going to equate to something that's better in the top three. So, like, if you're the guy that's going to give us the conversation of, well, they got a pick back for Nico. Right. Nico didn't have to be on the team to start with. So you didn't have to have him in December to win the games, thus being able to flip him at the trade deadline to get a pick back. He didn't have to be on the team because right, no you, one wanted him. No, no, they signed him. Yeah. And I think it's also the small moves that they made, like bringing in uh, Sean Kilpatrick. Like, why do you need to sign a guy who is trying to prove himself to be on a roster? Well, well I, I asked I you guys about for that. I, I, asked I know you guys why about they him did that. two weeks ago, I well, think. Well, you signed Kilpatrick because now you hit the salary floor and you I can use that. his money this summer when you start moving pieces to try and trade. I understand why you signed a player, but why did you sign that eh, player? I, mean, I don't have a problem with that, but like the management of minutes until we've gotten to the last week where now Markkanen's not playing. We see Valentine go down with the injury, so he's out for the season. Levine out done out the management of minutes up until the final couple weeks when they really committed to trying to tank this that was the problem was december and january my other thing is who are you trying to fool well here's the here's the other thing with with this tank right and when we had minutes problems when thibodeau was here Right, like that was the thing. It's yeah, like some people said, you were yeah. playing too many minutes. Yeah, people. I mean, they're, 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 some people. Some people. Some people. Playing, well, you're playing everybody too many except me. But I'm saying, like, I'm still like you had upper. You had everyone yeah. except the three of us in this room. <laughs> you had. Lebr- I mean, because uh, yeah, LeBron. Uh, yeah, he's he's not suffering because he plays a lot of minutes. You had management but. that were that were saying, front office people were saying, you need to stop with yeah. minutes and we're trying to lose games and then Thibodeau did the closing the door and the whole they're try- they don't want you to win and we're going to we're going to win and you know forget them and this is about us Hoiberg's Gar's guy like we know that yeah. like Ho- Ho- Gar brought in Hoiberg okay Gar Foreman brought in Fred Hoiberg to be the coach can't you tell him as your guy be like dude you need we need to stop playing like why are you playing Bobby Portis that many minutes yesterday as soon as he starts hitting shots all right come here sit down yeah like that's enough out of you like you would think that especially if Hoiberg knows he's got the job security through to see this through like what's what why are you why are you not mandating how oh no maybe the NBA came and said something but that BS I don't care you just so you just do whatever you want what are they what's the NBA gonna do 
Well, I mean, last night's another example of that, Abdallah, because Kilpatrick played 22 minutes. He had right. 20 points, 7 yeah. of 14 shooting. And his last three games, he's got 21, 24, and 20. Right. And you look across the board, Cameron Payne only played 26 minutes. I thought we were developing Cameron Payne for the future of this team. Why is he only playing and 26 are, minutes? As, as, a fr- as the front office who said before the All-Star break... After at the All Star break, you, we're going to develop these guys because we need to see what we have. Why aren't you? Do, why aren't you making a mandate to Fred Hoiberg and saying you need to play campaign? Do you know the guard on the team last night that played the most minutes? Hmm. Fred, are you looking at the box score? The box score, so Justin Holiday. Okay. Why did he play thirty two minutes last night? We know what he is. Yeah. I like that's where it starts to get. I mean, well, you only they, had nine guys playing last night. They got their brains beat in, so yeah, it's fine. Had, but yeah. still, but like this is the point that it goes to. It's like I get that you're playing everyone around the thirty minute mark, but uh, come on, Cameron Payne out there for thirty six minutes is not going to hurt anyone, and it's actually going to help you in the long run. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. They got two more games left. They are at Brooklyn on Monday, and then wrap it up against Detroit. On Wednesday, we'll talk more about the NBA top of the hour, more about the rest of the league as James Herbert from CBS joins us. The MLB Notebook, my MLB Notebook coming up at 1030. We got tons of stuff. We got great sound. A former Cub pitcher makes his debut today. Today is the anniversary of a major moment in uh, all of baseball and heck in all of sports. We'll hear that. Also from uh, one of the top announcers in the history of uh, all sports. So we got a lot to do. We're here until noon. It's Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Fred Huebner, Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Chris Black. Adam Abdallah, Fred Huebner at Chicago's Game Day on ESPN 1000. Now, if you're just getting up and catching us now, get up earlier so you can listen to the best of 1000 because Chris and Adam are here and they do their own unique show. Uh, that unique. Only they, That's a nice way of putting that it. That only nice they can do. Uh, you, are you excited to play hole or not? I am. Are you excited actually. to play hole or not a hole? I am because I don't know, you know. I, Come the, on, Fred. The, get on up. The also only, on ESPN, 7 a.m. 6 a.m. With Beetle. Greeny. 6 a.m. Jalen. They're also on at 7. The show's a three-hour show. Oh. 6 to 9. <laughs> Get up. It's at 6, at 7, and at 8. See? There yeah, you go. It is. The question will be this week. Uh, who's the other guy that sat in this week? Uh, Booger. Booger McFarland? Yes. Will Booger McFarland be a fourth this week again? I like Booger. No, I do too, a lot. He has a lot to the show. I actually think... I think I read that uh, Booger and Damian Woody are like rotating. Okay, so I think depending on the season or or schedules, you'll get uh, one. Okay, of the two. Yeah, and they'll have they'll have tons to talk about this week. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they don't talk too much about the Masters. Uh, but you know. All right. So whatever. our unique show. What, what were you going to say about our unique show before I started no. yelling? Get up! No, no. I was just saying to people that that are not up early, they may just tune in at nine o'clock because that's a normal time. Yeah. But they should always tune in at eight o'clock to hear you guys because you guys play a lot of sound. You re- recap everything that happened the day before, pretty much, and that's 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 cool. And then you also, you guys also have millennial fun. Yeah, we have silly nonsense. So <laughs> it's all we, we can have do. millennial it's, fun. It's only radio, Fred. So no, we, I know. we have to have fun. And I we'll, know. And, and we'll play whole or not whole with Fred later. Oh, I was okay. going to say, I think the yeah. only reason I know some of these is because I think on the Tiger Woods video game, I think they probably list the whole the names of the whole. Yeah, they probably yeah. It may or yeah. may yeah. not, but I, I think that's where I saw them because I used to play uh, one of the Tiger Woods. Uh, it was a Tiger Woods Masters game, 
and I yeah. kept that one, and I'm able to play other yeah. courses and stuff. Hey, lineups are out. All right. For the uh, White Sox and the Cubs. I'll do the White Sox first. Because it never changes. Ricky Rhea's got a pretty easy. Most American League managers have an easy job. And pastes, yeah. yeah, most he he made like once one change. Adam Engel sitting down. Uh, Lurie Garcia's in. But Juan Moncada, who struck out his first time up for his twelfth uh, time this year, then uh, got a couple of hits yesterday. He's leading off at second base. Avi Garcia in right field. Jose Abreu at first. Matt Davidson, who struggled yesterday, DHing. Uh, Delmonico in left, Wellington Castillo catching, Leary Garcia in center field, then it's Tim Anderson and uh, Yolmer Sanchez. I don't know if you guys knew this about Tim Anderson, but he had like 13 walks last year. And I think he already has like four or five this year. And when he walks, he gets to first base, and he gives a bear hug to uh, first base coach Daryl Boston. And I mean, literally, he like almost jumps onto the bag, gives him a big, huge bear hug. And I think it's a whole thing where they've told him, Tim, you got to learn how to take some pitches. You got to learn how to walk and get on base. He's doing it, and now he's like celebrating it when he gets to first base. Yeah, just he like has, uh, he has four walks on the season already. Yeah. Um, I was going to actually ask you about Tim Anderson. What have you seen from him? Do you like uh, his adjustments at the plate? Do you think it's more of the same? What do you think of Tim Anderson? He seems so far? to be a little bit at the plate. He's really good. He seems to be a little bit of a, I don't know. I want. I don't want to say home run or nothing because he did hit some home runs early. Um, I like this. I like to see any baseball player when he goes to right center. If he's a left-handed or right-handed hitter, right. If he hits the ball to right center, or like uh, if he's a left-handed hitter goes to left center, that means that these guys are finding their things. I mean, when Canerco and Frank Thomas were in slumps, they would always say, "We're going to try and hit the ball to center." And when they were hitting the ball to right center, you knew they were right on it. Mm-hmm. They were hitting the ball, and that's why when Schwarber's hitting and. He's not hitting right now either, no. right now. And they're, they're struggling right now because of him and Hap not hitting. Well, how about hit, Hap's hit in the ninth yesterday was opposite field. Yeah. Yeah, and you like think that. Joe Madden would have uh, ridden oh. the, the hot hand. But no, uh, Ian Hap sits again today. Uh, Albert Elmora leading off in center. Chris Bryan at third. Ben Zobris at second. Wilson Contreras catching. Kyle Schwarber in left. Addison Russell at short. Victor Caratini at first, so Anthony Rizzo sits out another day. Jason Hayward in right and Jose Quintana pitching, so Baez and Anthony Rizzo sit today. The starter for Milwaukee, Chase Anderson, had a great start, his first start of the season. And uh, the starting pitchers for uh, the Brewers had struggled up until yesterday. The kid Davies pitched pretty well yesterday, actually. Just gave up that homer to uh, to Bryant, and otherwise it was good. So both teams play at 110 today. And so if you're not watching the Masters, you can watch the Cubs. They are on uh, GN, and uh, the White Sox are on NBC Sports Chicago. So, and you don't have to worry about plus or anything like that. It's just those no two. pluses today. No pluses. The Blackhawk season's over, and it is. we we shed a tear. It is. All right. Do you know this is the first time I looked it up? This is the first yeah. time the Bulls and the Blackhawks are not in the playoffs since when? Well, it's been ten. Okay, years this is a good the... question. Let's think about this because the Bulls were good for a long time. So we have to go. I'm guessing we have to go to the early two thousands. You were you were you were right because it's been ten years since one of the teams was the Blackhawks, and that was the same year that the Bulls weren't. Oh, really? Oh seven, oh eight. Wow. Yeah, that was All the right. last year they were both not in the playoffs. So two things we don't have to worry about going forward. Uh, we'll talk some basketball with James Herbert from CBS. Talk some NBA. We come back. It's Abdallah Black Hubner right here on ESPN One Thousand. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Fred Hubner along with Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. 
here on ESPN 1000. Don't forget, we've got Jesse Rogers an hour from now. He is up in Milwaukee. Nick Friedel joins us at 11.30. We'll talk about the Bulls as they have just two games remaining. Most teams in the NBA with two or three games remaining as they are gearing up for the postseason. It starts Friday or Saturday next week? Playoffs. Saturday. Saturday, okay. So it starts next Saturday. And because of that, we are going to the Studio Hot Rods Hotline and bringing in from CBS, James Herbert, our NBA expert. James, what's going on today? Not too much. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, the, the last couple days of the NBA season here in Chicago, we're just looking for two more losses and uh, the possibility of getting a couple more ping pong balls. But what are you looking forward to the most here in the next four or five days as uh, the, everybody jockeys for position in the playoffs? I think just finally being able to stop looking at tiebreakers and situations and keeping track of which team is tied with which other teams, that, that would be nice. Um, usually at this point of the season, I have like a, a firmer grasp of who's going to be playing who in the playoffs. But right now, if you look at the Western Conference standings, it's still all jumbled up, just a complete mess um, from three to nine there. So I'm looking forward to just figuring out who's going to play each other and start actually talking about what could happen in these games. Yeah, a lot can happen over the next week. And, you know, even uh, Bulls fans paying attention to the way they kind of end this season. They're sitting 27-53 right now uh, for the record on this season. What do you think of the way the Bulls have gone about this season as a developmental year and at the start saying that they're going to tank but really not committing to that throughout the entire season? Yeah, I think it was the obvious way to go, right? Like, I think after the Butler trade, you sort of knew, okay, this is what they're getting back, but what they're also getting back is a high pick in next year's draft. And I mean, the way they've done it, um, it's been interesting. <laughs> Certainly, it's been less boring than some other teams because you've had stuff to talk about with the, the Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday thing, and then them being inserted back into the lineup, then you see, oh, hey, like it's a back-to-back. Larry Markkinen is not going to play. He's a rookie, and he's healthy, but he's just not going to play. Um, they're um, to me, like I understand people um, who just want to watch a team be more competitive and would like to show up to the arena and think that, like, root for a win and, and all of that, but I don't get too upset by that stuff. I think um, the Bulls obviously needed to rebuild. They needed a tank this season, and to me, if I was a Bulls fan, the only thing I would be asking for is I would be asking for a few fewer wins than they have. I think they could have tanked a little bit harder. What do you think the con- what do you think Zach Levine has earned himself contract wise uh, so far this season? That is like the million dollar question, and I think it's a really tough one to answer. I think the talent is still there, um, and you see it right. Like you see how effortlessly he can score some nights when he has it going. Um, but I mean, the health has been an issue the entire time. Um, he's got like what like twenty five ish games on on his Bulls resume and the efficiency wasn't really there, which you don't blame him for coming back from a serious injury, but I I think that's going to be a really tricky thing to figure out this summer, because I think he and his agents are probably going to be wanting something close to a max contract, just in the same way uh, his old teammate Andrew Wiggins got that max extension last year, and, and that is still looking like sort of a shaky decision now. Like I certainly don't think he has proved uh, that he is going to be a perennial all-star in this league or anything, but I think it's really tough to ascertain his value because I think there's an argument that he still has the, the tools and the talent to get there. Um, so to me, that's one of the more interesting guys when you talk about 
um, what they could be making uh, in the future because, like, I personally uh, would not be comfortable committing um, enormous money to him, like a max contract type deal. But if I was representing him, that's what I would be asking for. You know, looking really quickly at the at the Western Conference, and we were talking earlier about the uh, number of teams that are in already, and it's just three, Houston, the Warriors, and the Blazers. And if I was a conspiracy theory guy, which I'm not, um, they, all, they all played yesterday, all with teams struck battling for spots to make sure they stay in the playoffs in the West, and they all lost. Uh, the Thunder beat the Rockets by six. The Warriors at home lose to the Pelicans by six. And the Spurs beat the Blazers. Spurs were at home, and they beat them by 11. It was, it's kind of interesting to me that the teams that were all already locked in pretty much all lost their games. Am I looking too deep into that? Um, I, I don't think it's a conspiracy, but I do think, I, I mean, some of this is like the teams that are extremely motivated to win. Like, it, it's just going to mean more. Uh, to a San Antonio than it is to a Portland. Like, Portland is fighting for positioning, right? Like, the loss puts them at 48-32. They could slip down to four now. Um, San Antonio is fighting just for their playoff lives. And then you saw a game yesterday uh, in the afternoon, the Nuggets played the Clippers, and that was essentially an elimination game for both teams. Like, that was a playoff game. The Clippers lost their out, and the Nuggets now still have some hope. So, I mean, I think it, it's interesting this time of year because, like, that – Nuggets Clippers game is one of those rare instances where both teams have everything on the line. Like you're looking at a lot of these games that you have left. There are a couple um, where these teams play each other, but for the most part, it's like these teams playing against teams that don't have as much at stake. So you could have situations where opposing fan bases are upset that like the opponent of a team in the playoff race like hits somebody and they end up basically throwing that game or whatever. Um, but I mean, th- this is what you get for not having, you know, around 50 wins by now as you end up in this situation where the, the last games you play really matter and the schedule is what it is. All right, James. So LeBron James has been outstanding this season, but I, I wonder if he's used up too much effort to get his team to where they are right now, and they're so bad defensively. They're 29th in the league in defensive efficiency. Do the Cavs have enough to get to another finals? They have enough. I think, but whether or not they can sort of summon that elite level play at a moment's notice and like have it there consistently, it's impossible to say. I mean, over the past few years, they have generally done it in the East and they've gotten there, but I think they're not quite as talented as they were in the past. And I think the rest of the East has gotten a little better. Uh, I think uh, the way the Raptors have played this season, I mean, Boston's banged up, so they're a little bit of a different story. Uh, But I think that the, the Toronto's got to a different level. I think Philadelphia is a scary team for a bunch of reasons, so I don't think the Cavs can just walk through. But at the same time, if, you, if you're going to tell me that the Cavs are your favorite and that you're betting on LeBron, like I have absolutely no problem with that. I mean, even when they're playing um, not great, you still see flashes of absolutely elite-level play. Take that Philadelphia game. like They lost, but they also erased an enormous lead um, coming out in the second half, and LeBron was basically getting whatever he wanted for either himself or an open shot for a teammate and offensively i mean the formula that they have when they surround lebron with either shooters or rim runners and he just has space and he can make decisions like it is still really easy for him to pick teams apart and the question for me is whether or not they can bump that defense up in the playoffs because historically like no matter how horrible they've been on defense in the regular season and they've never been as bad as they've been this year uh they've been able to at least be you know average above average in the playoffs been able to take the other team's best options away. And they've just had such bad defensive habits 
uh, for so long that I think this year it's like, are they even going to execute basic defensive game plans of the playoffs? That's what's sort of going to determine how far they get. So that being said, who is the biggest threat to the Cavs making it to another NBA Finals? I would say Toronto. Um, part of me wants to say Philadelphia just because that's such an awesome story, and I, I love the way uh, those two young superstars are are playing, um, but I think you have to give the Raptors the respect they deserve for the season that they've had. I mean, they're more balanced than they've ever been. They're really deep and they're really versatile, and I think they the, the way they've changed their style this year offensively and defensively. I mean, the offense got so much attention, uh, but defensively they're switching much more. They're more athletic. They're longer. Uh, I, I do think they represent a serious threat and they have to be taken seriously. Even if, you know, like I, I get when people say the Raptors have to prove it, but I do think the Cavs have to respect them as well. Do you ever see, like, if you're watching DeMar DeRozan and we watch these playoff series, and a lot of times when you get to a game six, a game seven, a deciding game to move on to the next round, it comes down to the best player on the court. Does DeMar DeRozan have that next level to get to the elite status that LeBron's already at? I don't know about getting to LeBron's level, but I, I think he's already made a, a number of jumps in terms of his ceiling being higher than people gave him credit for. In years past, I think the one thing about Demar, if you watch him this year, like it is very obvious that he's not just a scorer. Like, yeah, he leads his team in scoring, but the the area where he's improved is um, using that attention that he draws offensively to create shots for somebody else. I mean, he's playing de facto point guard a lot of the time. Kyle Lowry's had to get more comfortable playing off the ball. I think he really has elevated his game as somebody who makes his teammates better in a way that he didn't do in years past. And that's why you had people saying, oh, maybe he's like a fringe MVP candidate. He's, he's finally eclipsed Kyle Lowry as definitively the best player on the Raptors because I think he has gotten to another tier. Now, I think that tier is still a step below um, LeBron's tier because that is basically, you know, LeBron, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant. That's sort of a tier on its own. But I think in terms of secondary stars, franchise-level players, I think DeMar is there. If the playoffs started today, you'd get a first-round matchup of Golden State and Oklahoma City. What can Oklahoma City do to kind of help Houston by beating up on the uh, the Warriors <laughs> in the first round? I think what they do is they just stick to the identity that they've tried to have over the past few years is we're just longer than you, we're more athletic, we're going to be extremely physical, we're going to make you work. And when the Thunder are at their best, that's what they look like. I mean, they've been really up and down this season, but they have, as well as they play down to their competition, you've seen them against teams like the Warriors, against teams like the Rockets. They play up, and they have stretches, they have quarters or halves where they do look like a truly elite team, and that's usually when they're getting stops and they're getting out on the break because Westbrook is impossible to stop in transition. So, you know, everybody knows they don't have... Um, quite the talent that the Warriors do. Everybody knows they, they don't have the offensive cohesion that the Warriors have built up. But, I mean, if Stephen Curry is not there and if the, the Thunder can sort of dictate the terms of engagement, then I think you could see a long series. You know, throughout this run for the Warriors, we've seen them play their best basketball heading into the playoffs. Is there any concern that this team really hasn't played well in the last month or so and they don't have all their parts together? Or is, is there any concern heading into the playoffs with the Warriors? Yeah, I think there is. And the concern isn't so much just the results, and those are a little bit worrying on their own, but I think it's just how they've played without Curry because you don't know that Stephen Curry is going to come back 100% healthy, feeling like himself, and everything is just going to snap into place. I think uh, when they lost a couple of years ago, 
in the finals, a, a, an enormous part of that was Curry wasn't completely healthy. He couldn't, he didn't have that burst every night. And that showed, and that made the Warriors a lot more vulnerable. And I think if he was fully himself, um, then they would have won that series. So um, you know Curry is going to be back eventually, so, so that, that would lead me to probably pick the Warriors in any series. You don't know if he's going to be fully himself. So, yeah, like that, that's the thing. Like Even going into the season, if you had told me, like, is there, are you worried about the Warriors? Say, no, not, like, not at all. I think they're going to win it again, even if Houston is amazing. But at the moment you say Stephen Curry isn't out there like, or isn't like 100%, that changes absolutely everything. A team at the bottom of the uh, Western playoff standings right now is the Minnesota Timberwolves. There's talk that Tom Thibodeau's, I mean, there's talk. Everybody knows he wears out players, but is he long for the Minnesota job or is he, is he is something going to come to a head with that? Uh, I'd be surprised if they made a move there. I think there are certainly like many fair criticisms to make of him and his style, uh, but you think about how long it's been since the Wolves have been successful at all. And he has made this team better with his moves, with his coaching. They're, they're probably going to make the playoffs, and we'll see what happens in these next few days. But I think there has been measurable progress, and he's trying to take things step by step. And I think he can sell to ownership, like, you have to keep faith in me, keep faith in this plan. This wasn't going to happen overnight. Um, so while I understand the concerns, um, and I understand that he's not the most, he's not seen as the, the modern, innovative coach that he was a few years ago, um, I, I think he's going to get more time to kind of realize his vision there. We really appreciate it, James. Thanks a lot for all your info. Uh, the playoffs go for a long time. The Bulls don't have to worry about it, but I'm sure we may be talking to you a little bit later on during the during the postseason, okay? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks, James. James Herbert from uh, CBS breaking it down, and uh, there are so many great stories coming into it. I mean, Philadelphia is a great story. You guys talked about um, you're looking at Tom Thibodeau, and they've got some games coming up right now. Um, Minnesota right now is eighth, tied with Denver, but I guess Minnesota wins the tiebreaker. They play Memphis, and Denver plays Portland, and then they play each other in the final game of the season. So you're going to get a playoff game before the playoffs. Right. You'll probably get one on Wednesday night. That'll be fun. Yeah, like James was talking about that. We had a couple playoff games last night. You know, the uh, Nuggets and the Clippers, the Clippers were eliminated last night because they lost that game. And And Fred, you know, as we're talking NBA here, you're not you're self-proclaimed not an NBA guy. Right. But the one thing that I kept thinking about as we were talking to James is that there are so many storylines that go on in the league. I ask you, how can you not be interested in it because there's so much going on. You know, LeBron James and the Cavs, everyone says, "Oh, they'll just be right there in the finals." Well, they're fourth in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I'm more interested in the Cavs now that there's a question mark. Yeah, you know what right, I'm saying? right. Mm-hmm. It's more interesting to me that they're not a lock from to win the East. Mm-hmm. That makes it more interesting. Well, and in the way the East shapes up right now, if the standings hold, you have a possible situation of in the second round, Boston, Philadelphia, Toronto, Cleveland. Right. Which means that the 76ers and the Cavs both would have a path to get to the conference finals. Yeah. If you're the NBA... And you can get a team like the 76ers against Cleveland to play for the finals. Yeah. I mean, can you guys imagine what the ratings will be for well, that? Because we all know the storyline with the Sixers. They're not supposed to win. They're too young. They tanked to perfection. 
But they actually have a path to get there. And then you have LeBron, which everyone mm-hmm. understands the storyline with the Cavs. That is fascinating to me. And what happened Friday night just adds to it. Well, I right. mean, with him at the line, uh, you know, it's three shots. He makes them all. They win, you know, they tie, and he misses the second shot, and then he's mm-hmm. going to try to miss it. The third on purpose and get a rebound and that and uh, so that and that was without Embiid. Yeah, without Embiid, yeah. and then you have the Fresh Prince. That's the new nickname for Ben Simmons, Simmons. is the Fresh Prince against the King. And I, you know, their games mimic each other. Yeah. Ben Simmons looks a lot like LeBron when he's on the court. Obviously, LeBron so much better at shooting, yeah. especially from three. I get that, but the point is for a rookie second year, but didn't play last year, going against the King like that. I know regular season game. But you have to be completely full of it to say that if this team played the Cavs in a seven-game series, that it will be competitive. Yeah. And that Philadelphia crowd on Friday night, they were going nuts. nuts. Yeah, they it, were crazy. It was like the first time out in the first quarter, and J.J. Redick did three goggles off of a three that Ben Simmons did. He, he went between the legs to himself, kicked it out to, to Redick. He hit a three, three goggles, and the place just erupted. It was like... Hey guys, you got the entire game to play. Like yeah. chill, and they were fine, and they yeah. won. Like that's a big, big storyline. You have well, you mentioned the Warriors too, because yeah, everybody expected another Warriors Cavs repeat. Well, now that with injuries and with Steph, you know, don't know what he's going to do. You've got the whole new Cavalier team that had that changed at the trade deadline. I mean, there there are interesting points, and I think by all these things, it made it more interesting to me than it was earlier. Yeah. When, it, when it was, okay, there's four or five teams that can win. Nobody else has a chance. It's not going to be interesting. Philadelphia's made it interesting, okay? Boston, with injuries, unfortunately, has made it more interesting. Sure. Now. How are well, they going to win? To me, the, st- the most interesting storyline is still... Will LeBron James hit a wall at some point? Uh-huh. Because this is the first time he's play he's gonna play in all the games. Like we don't obviously there's still a few games left, so he may take a couple of nights off, but I think he wants he's making it a point to play in every single game and he's managing his minutes a little better and he's being more efficient. But you see a game like they had against the seventy sixers where he has to do everything, everything yeah. to get them back into that game and he makes it a point to try to do everything to get them back in the game. Is this going to be a lot? If they have a series against you know, the 76ers, how much of that, if it, let's say it goes six, seven games, how much of that is going to take a toll on him if they meet up with the Raptors in the Easter Conference Finals? And should they get to the finals? Is that when he hits the wall? Like, there's going to be a point, dude's 33, like, there's going to be a point where he can't do everything. Well, well to one- your, your point, uh, he's played now this season the most games he's played in a regular season since 2009. He played 81 games in 2009. Since then, he played 76, 79, 62, 76, 77, 69, 76, 74. Now he's played in 80 games to this point. So, you know, LeBron went almost a decade of not playing 80 games in a regular season. And now he's there at the age that he's at, 33. It's a great point that you bring up because, Fred, we've seen after the trade deadline, it didn't really work out the way the Cavs thought it would work out. No. Rodney Hood's a nice player. Jordan Clarkson's a nice player. They're not Kyrie Irving. And so now you have to look at the way he's played in the regular season, dragging this team, and they're only fourth in the East. Mm-hmm. The one thing you have to realize, too, is once the playoffs get here, and I know that you know they're, they're more important. I know all this stuff about uh, what it takes in the playoffs. But there's never back-to-back games. Yeah. There's always rest. Right. Okay, for each, which is a great thing for the NBA. 
maybe not for the fans so much because you like to see the games. There's played. still games every night, though. Well, I know the way they okay. do it. So let, let's talk about this in like a bigger sense, right? Okay, so people are going to point to that there's no back to back, so that will help the older player, right? You don't think that that's going to help Simmons and Embiid? It'll, it'll help everybody. Yeah, right, it'll, like, it'll make for better games. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. No, one's, yeah. No, one, no one's going to be able to have the. No one should be able to have the excuse, maybe except for LeBron, that they're tired because they get a day off between mm-hmm. each game. And yep. he, I don't know if he's doing this because, like, uh, I think it was a week ago he mentioned that he should be considered for MVP voting, and like yeah. he should be considered. Is is this why? He's playing all 82 games. I hope not. Is this, not. is this something that he is trying to put into the writers' heads that look what I did with this team? I basically took two separate teams to the playoffs this year. I had the first half team and I had the second half team. And we're in the playoffs and I've done literally everything. Yeah. I should be the MVP because I also played in every single game this season. Well, listen, bro, I've got two retorts to that one. First of all, you can't be MVP when your team's fourth in the conference. I'm just saying. Second of all, if you're you're going to be fourth in the conference. You have to put on such eye-popping numbers that we can't not give you the MVP. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at LeBron's numbers, did you guys know that Russell Westbrook is like 30 rebounds and 12 assists away from averaging a triple-double triple double for the second straight season? Yeah. I mean, James Harden's going to be the MVP. They're the yeah. best team. He's the best player on the best team. He'll be MVP. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what Russ has done as of late with the Thunder, and you look at LeBron trying to get an MVP, I mean... The league is on fire. It's fantastic. Do you agree with the point that people say that the reason we're not talking about Russell Westbrook as much this year is because he's done it once, and now because of the high scoring, because of the three pointer, because of all this, it's not. You're not as surprised when guys hit. You know, guys get triple doubles. Uh, I agree with the first premise. I think people are not enthralled with it because it's now been done. Right. Um, but I don't think it's just based on more threes, more all that stuff. I think it's just. Uh, it's arbitrary. A, a triple double is just a random couple categories in the box score. So, like, yeah, he he stat stuffs, but like, I think after we all saw it happen once, now we're like, okay, we can move on. Yeah. So, uh, we come back. It's time for my baseball notebook. Yes. A lot's going on yes. as we have a, had a full week of baseball. A lot to talk about. But right now, we're going to take a look at the latest from the Masters here on ESPN One Thousand. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. And the ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn. It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Fred's Baseball Notebook. Ah, uh, welcome back in... Chris Black, Adam Dalla, me, Fred Huebner, here until noon. We'll talk a lot of Cubs baseball with Jesse at 11, Nick Friedel at 11.30. Not only talking Bulls, but talking Coolio as uh, he was at <laughs> halftime. And uh, if you watched or followed uh, people on Twitter last night, you saw Nick um, moving to Coolio um, at halftime of the Bulls game last night. And at that, by that point, there was nothing else to do but wait for Coolio to play because the Bulls got blown out. But... It's my baseball notebook, and I've got lots of sound for you. Awesome. Sound that I think you guys might actually enjoy, uh, which is good, as opposed to sound you would actually hate. Uh, <laughs> every Sunday morning at 1030, we have your baseball notebook. And before we uh, went to break, you said that there's a lot of stuff in there. Well, 
You know why, guys? Because baseball's in full swing. Stop doing my job. You're taking money, <laughs> Boom. Taking, you're taking money out of my pockets. There you go. Baseball in full swing. <laughs> Last night, the Astros and uh, the Padres in a close game. Ninth inning, and you figure, oh, this one's going extras. 3-2, popped him up. Infield, directing traffic. Hosmer racing down, racing down. It fell in. It fell in. And the Astros win it. Not your everyday walk-off. I can't believe this. Baton points it out. Here comes Hosmer, coming in pretty hot. That ball's going to come back towards the infield, overruns it, and the Astros win it on an infield pop-up that goes about 15 feet. Courtesy of Fox Sports in San Diego. And guys, if you ever played Little League Baseball, if you ever saw kids play baseball, that's what Eric Hosmer did yesterday. He ran in from first base for an infield pop-up, and he ran in too far, and the ball landed behind him. Too far. And that was the game. The Astros beat the Padres. Did he call it? Yeah. It's okay. gone. It's gone. Too far. Too far. Too far. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, would it surprise trouble. you, Fred, that I watched three innings of that game yesterday? It would surprise me. You watched three innings of the Astros Padres? I did. Yeah, that would surprise me because I know even I did not watch that. They that was not high uh, on my list. They interviewed the uh, mascot at the start of the game, Orbit. Did he say anything? No. Okay. Yeah. It, I think mascot should be able to talk. I want to see the Philly <laughs> fanatic talk. I don't want to see him just you know, shoot that thing out of his mouth. That's that's the silly. Anyhow, yeah. What? Now, Trevor Bauer. Anybody who knows anything about Trevor Bauer, um, yeah. the Cleveland Indians pitcher, he's a little bit of a nut, okay? When he first got drafted, he had all of these workout programs, and he brought that thing. If you've ever been to a gym, and even at, at um, physical therapy, they had one, where it's like a big, long bar, and you hold it, and you shake it. Mm-hmm. And he used to do that, and he used to do, use a lot of bands to stretch and all that stuff. Well, last night, he gave up a home run late in the game. It was pitching very, very well, and he actually blamed the commissioner for that. Coming out, I tried to get loose, but with the new Rob Manfred time BS that we have only a certain amount of time in between innings, uh, it's hard to get loose sometimes, especially in conditions like that. Uh, it's not safe, and, you know, but whatever. So there you go, Trevor Fun Bauer, whatever. the first ah. pitcher to complain about the two minutes and five seconds between innings. I was watching baseball yesterday. I thought it was awesome. They, the inning ended. They had two commercials. They come back. Here's the first pitch. I think it's great as a viewer and a fan of the game. Trevor Bauer, I wonder if he'll be the only pitcher to complain about this because it's cold. He said he needed more time to warm up. And unfortunately, he had to throw the first pitch, and it landed in the seats. Now... As a big-time P1 of ESPN 1000, I listen to a lot of this station when I'm at home. And Rob Manfred was on with you guys. And, he was. and none too happy with some of the questions about the changing of the game. He seemed like he came in with an attitude. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it was uh, whoever was asking the questions. I, I don't know. I think maybe Fred uh, sees differently than the commissioner. Um, will this go over well in the commissioner's office after hearing these comments, I'll bet there's reporters everywhere that want to ask the commissioner about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't wait to see what his response is. He's got to come out and say something. He called he? it BS. He's a player in the league. And he called yeah. it BS. You have to say something, right? Uh, you would think so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> listen, Trevor Bauer, he makes a lot of innuendos with his money and with his uh, arbitration and whatnot. 
But this is also isn't this the the same guy that got his his hand cut because he was fixing a yeah, drone? A little drone, a little yeah. drone fun in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah, you know, he's, throw the ball. He's also, and I'm trying to look it up. I won't be able to find it in time. If you've ever read, there's a baseball book out there that's really a great book called The Arm Inside the Billion Dollar Mystery of the Most Valuable Commodity, and it's um, Jeff, written by Jeff Passan. Yeah, and I'm almost done with the book, but in the book, Trevor Bauer, it, he it, they. They talk to him quite a bit about pitching and all of his different things about pitching, and he talks also about uh, trying to find a trying to find a wife who's a, a twenty twenty Olympian. He had all this kind of he's got weird th- he's got weird thoughts. Right. He's a real smart guy, but sometimes maybe a little bit too smart for the game of baseball. So um, yeah, if you got if you've read the book, you know Trevor Bauer's kind of a unique a unique guy. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, six hits, including a three run walk off homer yesterday. The uh, Giants beat. Los Angeles seven to five. Now, Chris, you know Los Angeles. Yeah. And when I was growing up, there was a song called "It Never Rains in Southern California," and I said, "Okay, well, I'm from Illinois, so I don't understand." But then I've been to Southern California, but Northern California has crappy weather quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. On Friday, it was it rained out. The Giants and the Dodgers were rained out. It was the first rain out at AT and T Park since two thousand and five. That's shocking to me. Because San Francisco has bad weather yeah, because quite often. Sitting in the bay and where they're at, you get rain almost, what, every other day quite a it's bit. raining? And yeah. in the mornings it's foggy and hazy. Yeah. No because rain of out since 05. A marine layer. Yeah. Wow, that that is shocking. Yeah. I now, agree with you. Now, in, in Dodger Stadium or no. something, fine, I'd understand. Yeah. There was only the fifth rain out at AT&T Park. And that, that park has changed names. May- like, you know what, Fred? Times. Maybe it's just cold and windy and, and not as nice, enough... Uh, Precipitation, yeah, to cancel a game. You know, I don't know. We're, we're the pregame show for uh, Tracy Butler's church-going experience, so mm-hmm. you know I'm sure she'll have a thought on that and why it doesn't rain as much at AT&T Ballpark. And if not, you guys can make sure you ask her yeah. next week with Cap on. Uh, don't Friday. look at uh, Abdallah. She really listens to us on our way to church. I know she does. Yeah, she does. She could tell me when it's not going to when it's going to be summer like. Okay. Okay. Moving on with the notebook. The Phillies with two grand slams yesterday, a 20 to 1 win over Miami. And Philadelphia today, they get uh, Jake Arrieta. But here, first of all, I mentioned that uh, they had fun at the plate. And the lefties pitch swung on and hit deep. Left field, and this one is going to go. It is gone. Grand slam number four in the career of Michael Bronco. There you go. In the air to left field. Now, 20 to 1, the final against Miami highlights courtesy of WIP. Now, today, Philadelphia, they spent the big money. They got Jake Arrieta on the hill. At the point now, um, especially where I'm at in my career, uh, in, in really good shape, arm is. Conditioned really well, so and been been thrown for a long time. Even though I didn't um, have a, a typical spring training, I was still able to, um, you know, get, get a, a solid amount of throwing in, a lot of bullpen. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm ready to uh, to get extended. Yeah. Don't they realize that Jake Arrieta's talking? Can't they hold off on their ping pong games in the background? No, they can't. Unbelievable. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're playing ping pong, and then, it got, then they're arguing about it. The yeah, 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 arguments. Okay, Shohei Otani. Homer's in three straight games. He didn't play yesterday because he's pitching today against the Oakland A's. Red Sox have won seven in a row. And Chris Sale, who I took as, and everybody knows my love for Chris Sale. Mm-hmm. I was I was quite upset with the young man for cutting up uniforms, and I was happy that he got, <laughs> he's pitched really well. I took him on my fantasy team. He's pitched really well for two games. He has zero record, no decision, because both games he's pitched, the team has given up the lead late in the game. So Hasn't that always been the story happy. of Chris Sale, though? Yeah, and it has. He'll pitch real well, gets no decision. So we'll see. Uh, see how he does. I don't think he pitches today. Um, if he does, I'll have him. I can um, find out for you. Uh, scrolling, 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 scrolling. Do they even, they got to play today, right? Are they off today? They may be off. It's a weird schedule the first two weeks because the way teams. No, you're on Monday. That's why you're looking. Chris Sale not pitching today. Eduardo Rodriguez pitches for the Red Sox today. Twelve oh five against the Rays. Here's something all the National League has to worry about: the Mets are six and one, and they're the best in the National League. Yep. And here's what they have to worry about: Degrom, Syndergaard, Harvey, and Mats are all healthy. And the Cubs fans know who those guys are because they beat them in fifteen. Because they can pitch. And if they just stay healthy, then with Jay Bruce and Cespedes and Conforto, they can put runs on the board. It's going to be interesting to see because the Nationals are off to a slow start, but nobody expects that to continue. Yeah, the Sweet Spot blog uh, a couple days ago had a good piece about the Mets and how well they've played early on. Yeah. I know it's 6-1, and one, but, but still, like you said, Friday, if they're healthy, they're going to do well uh, in the... National League. I heard people saying, oh, Mickey Calloway's got him playing. You know what? <laughs> when you got four healthy pitchers, yeah. it could be, you know, I can manage the team. You sit there and say, you go on out there, we'll get a reliever in around the eighth inning. And uh, after a 14-inning game Friday night, New York Yankees manager Aaron Boone slept in the ballpark. He said, we got a game tomorrow. It's too late. We got stuff to do. I'm going to sleep here. I understand. You don't want to take the train. Is he the Jack Gruden of baseball? Sometimes you don't want to take the train out of the Bronx home. I get it. It's fine. I don't think he's taking the train. He might. And here's something. 44 years ago today, you guys were not thought of. Nope. Your parents. How old were your parents 44 years ago? You don't have to give me exact ages. Uh, 20-something. Yeah. Okay. I was. 20s. They weren't even that old. No. 44 years ago today. I was was 16. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I was watching this on TV uh, 44 years ago today. One ball and no strike. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive in the deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. He threw his arms around his father, and as he left the home plate area, his mother came running across the grass, threw her arms around his neck, kissed him for all she was worth. As Aaron circled the bases, the Dodgers on the infield shook his hand, and that was a memorable moment. Aaron is being mobbed by photographers, 
is holding his right hand high in the air, and for the first time in a long time, that poker face of Aaron shows the tremendous strain and relief of what it must have been like to live with for the past several months. It is over. At 10 minutes after 9 in Atlanta, Georgia, Henry Aaron has eclipsed the mark set by Babe Ruth. Of course, that was a great Vin Scully. It was home run number 715, and you can imagine all of the uh, death threats and everything else Hank Aaron mm-hmm. was getting, and uh, yeah. Vin brought it up. You know, uh, a black man in Atlanta, the Deep South, getting a standing ovation after hitting number 715. That's awesome. And I remember watching it on TV, Al Downing through the pitch, and it was great. I was 16 years old watching baseball. Incredible moment. Uh, that call, too, like... Vince awesome. Scully just nails every yeah. element of that call. I mean, that moment is so cool. And then uh, you always remember the reporters running on the field, running with Hank yeah. Aaron towards home. One of those guys, Craig Sager. Yeah, chasing him. And then we will talk more about that. But first, we're going to the Masters. Presents this special report on the Masters. I'm Ted Emmerich. Conversations about Rory McIlroy in the final round here have to begin with seven years ago. In 2011, McIlroy owned a four-stroke lead and shot 80. Well, McElroy doesn't have the lead this year, but he is within three of Patrick Reed. I've been waiting for this chance, to be honest. You know, I, I, I always have said that 2011 was a huge turning point in my career. Um, it was the day that I realized I wasn't ready to, to win major championships, uh, and I needed to, to reflect on that and, and realize what I needed to do differently. But now I'm ready. I, I learned a lot from it. Um, I'm not in the lead like I was you know, going into that day, so... I probably don't have as much pressure, but I'm in the final group. That's all I can ask for. McElroy and Reed tee off in about three hours. A victory for Rory means he becomes only the sixth man to win all four majors in his career. You're listening to exclusive coverage of the 2018 Masters on Westwood One. In golf, some rules are meant to be broken. In this connected world, we no longer think a foursome should be limited by numbers. A community shouldn't be defined by a clubhouse. We are 18 Birdies, an app that connects you to the golf you've always wanted. We're a place that welcomes players of all different strokes, people who play with heart, play for fun, play it forward, but are always willing to just play. Welcome to your game. Download 18 Birdies today. Looking for today's hottest wellness trends? Visit GNC, where you'll get them for less thanks to our buy one, get one half off deal. Save on black seed oil, turmeric, and milk thistle. Or mix and match Vitapak programs, male performance, probiotics, fish oil, and more. Our premium GNC brand products go through up to 150 quality checks and are the highest quality wellness solutions and supplements in the industry. But hurry, this buy one, get one half off deal is only available for a limited time. GNC, live well. Let's check the leaderboard brought to you by 18 Birdies. Download the 18 Birdies app and join the fastest growing, most connected golf community. Patrick Reed on top at 14 under. Rory McIlroy, three back at 11 under par. Ricky Fowler at 9 under. John Rahm at 8 under. Fowler and Rahm will tee off at 2.30 Eastern. Jordan Spieth, 9 back at 5 under. He's paired with his good friend, Justin Thomas. They tee off at 2 Eastern. On the course, Tiger Woods, black pants, and a red shirt on a Sunday, even though he's a 
non-factor. Woods also with a sweater vest. It is a little cold this morning at Augusta National. Woods with a birdie at the par 5 second. That puts him at 3 over par for the tournament. Phil Mickelson, 3 straight birdies at 2, 3, and 4. He is followed with 3 straight pars at 5, 6, and 7. So Mickelson now at 4 over for the tournament. From Augusta, I'm Ted Emmerich, Westwood One Sports. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Chris Black, Adam Amdala, Fred Huebner. We got Jesse coming up next hour. Also Nick Friedel. And um, some bad news for the Milwaukee Brewers. And that makes all Cub fans happy because, oh, you know, it does. Do you want people to get hurt? No, no, no. They oh, don't want them to get hurt. The Cubs, though. They don't want them to get hurt. But once they're hurt, you're happy about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't true. think there's anything wrong with that. You're not, no. you're not asking for a guy to get injured. But once he's injured and not there, then you're happy he's not there. Okay. And Kristen Yelich is that guy. He's um, not been there for a couple days. And, and now, Chris, he's not going to be there for a while longer, I hear. Yeah, Christian Yelich will be placed on the 10-day DL. The Brewers just tweeted that out about 10 minutes ago, so he won't be in today's lineup. He is uh, a right oblique injury, retroactive to the 4-5. Right-handed pitcher Taylor Williams will be recalled from AAA Sky Sox. Yeah, so he's out, and, you know, I'm not sure how many basketball players get oblique problems. Baseball seem to get it a lot. There's always, like, four to five guys a season, probably more than that who get oblique problems, and there's probably a lot you don't even hear because they're, like, lesser players. But when superstars get them, you know, it, it stands out a little bit more. I think Carlton Fisk, back in the day when they played, what, played for the White Sox, I mentioned on the air the other day during crosstalk, Al Secord, the guy used to play for the Blackhawks, he had a, uh oblique problem. And as as Yurko said, and I can... I can understand and I can sympathize with him. I have not seen my obliques for years, so I don't, you know, you know, there was a, there was a line once that Rod Beck, uh, you know, who passed away years ago, a couple years ago, he said, "Listen, you can't pull fat." No, so, you that's know, true. That is true. So you know, the guy's getting in great shape, and all of a sudden the oblique goes on you. But uh, well, there's yeah. a lot of twisting and torquing in yes, baseball. Yes, there is, and in golf. Yeah, I mean, if you got a if you got an oblique problem, and you're a golfer. That would be that would. Be tough. Well, Speaking Brian, of golf, you gotta have a strong core, guys. Uh-huh. Speaking strong of golf, core. that's what I heard. Yeah. Fred, we have thirty seconds left. Are you up for a little hole or not a hole? Yes. All right. Oh, okay. This is a game that we created on Friday night. Since we are talking the Masters, guys, I will give you a hole at Augusta National. You have to tell me whether or not I made it up or it's a real hole. Okay. Pink dogwood. Pink dogwood. Hole or not a hole, guys? I would say dogwood would, but with pink, I would say no. I'm going to say that's a hole. Fred, you are incorrect. That is a hole hole, at Augusta National. The second hole, a par five. I'm perfect at this game. Pink dogwood. We'll play more later. Okay, cool. Because we got Jesse coming up. I know the Cubs players are all yapping, so Jesse's hanging around waiting for him to yap. We will talk with Jesse and Nick Friedel. It's Black Abdallah Hubner on ESPN 1000. Hole. This is Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there and gone. Deep left center. Game over. Cubs win. Cubs win. Chicago's game day. He is at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. Alvarez. It's a triple play for the Sox. Base is loaded. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com.
Welcome back in. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, me, I'm Fred Huebner. You can find us Sundays here, recapping bunches of things. Just imagine next week, Chris Chris and Adam are going to be in heaven. The night after the first night of the NBA playoffs. You'll be be able to preview and review. And And we'll be under two weeks to the draft. That's right. The NFL draft, I think, is 18 days away right now. And we're still wondering what the Bears are going to do. Also, we didn't even bring this up. We'll talk to Jesse. He's up in Milwaukee. We'll get to him in a couple minutes. But... What do you think the Bears are going to do with Cam Meredith? They have, what is it, two more days or three more days now to either match the New Orleans Saints offer of two years, 9.6 or whatever it was, 5.4 guaranteed, or mm-hmm. let him go. Well, it was surprising because the Kyle Fuller match came like, immediately immediately yeah. within a few hours. <laughs> and with Cam Meredith, I wonder, I mean, the big question is his knee. That's what they're evaluating is his, is his health. And if 5.4 guaranteed is worth... That risking that much right. money on what could be a guy who's going to be injured again. Were you as concerned about his knee before you heard JD talk about his knee? Because I didn't think the knee was. I mean, I know he's coming off an ACL. I know that. Mm-hmm. But when JD's been on here over the last couple of weeks, and when he was down at the Final Four, it he sounded really concerned about it. Like he knew something. I yeah, Fred. He was on with you the Friday before the Final Four. Yeah. And you said, J.D., let's talk some Bears. You guys got into it. And his response was very concerned if Cameron Meredith would even be ready for next season. Yeah. And that's the I agree with you. That's the first I've heard any of that. Yeah, I didn't hear any of it yet. And I kind of thought, I mean, when I yeah, saw him. I, I wasn't concerned before. No, but. no. So, I mean, I, I, I liked Cam Meredith. They gave him an opportunity. I love the underdog story. Here's a guy that was a quarterback at Illinois State, and all of a sudden, they make him a you know make him a receiver, and he goes over the middle, and he was going to be their number one or two receiver, whatever you want to call him, and then he blew his knee out. Terrible thing in the preseason uh, games last year, but I was looking forward to him coming back because I thought with what they have now, and you bring in a Taylor Gabriel and Allen Robinson and Trey Burton, and you know Mitch Trubisky's all excited about being able to throw the ball around. For those who didn't hear this, to show you how excited Mitch Trubisky is, he was on the NFL Network the other day on their Good Morning Football show. Listen, he's he can't wait to play the uh, play the game. The offense I want to run is is the offense we're installing right now. So just after a couple of days of installing it and actually being able to talk with the coaches, uh, I really feel like I was built for this offense, and it's just dynamic, it's mm. creative, and it's also balanced, mm. and that, that's what you want. So we're gonna get the we're gonna get the ball out quick. Uh, we're gonna have, uh, we're gonna deceive the defenses with, and we're gonna spread the field, and we're gonna get it to all over to our playmakers. So uh, we're gonna be balanced. We're gonna play fast. We're gonna be dynamic, and we're gonna stretch the field every which way. So uh, I just feel like this this offense is gonna utilize my talents more and the and the players we have around me, and hopefully we can just get it rolling from there. So I'm excited to keep diving in and keep working. Boy, he could not have been more excited. I mean, he he was barely able to get the words out. He's so excited about playing in this offense. I have a one-year-old puppy at home, and uh-huh. on Sunday morning or on Saturday mornings, for some reason, he wakes up like he's a little kid. And it's Saturday morning he knows cartoons. It's Saturday, yeah. yeah. And he—that's how Mitch Trubisky sounds. Yeah. Saturday morning cartoons. He's so excited. I'm waking mom and dad up. Let's go. Let's get this day going. That's how Trubisky sounds. Well, which is why I think they they should sign Cameron Meredith. I mean, you've got so do I. You've got the money. Yeah. Spend it, and it's it's something that you don't need to address. Then, 
higher uh, high up in the draft because if you don't have Cam Meredith, you need to get another receiver. Second you want round, or? second or third round? Yeah. Because look, everybody thinks they're going to take Quentin Nelson. I don't think they should t- take Quentin Nelson. I think you need a playmaker on defense. So let's say they do take Quentin Nelson. Then you're going to have to get that playmaker on defense in the second round. We know they don't have a third round pick. So then you're going to have to wait until the fourth round to get a wide receiver. Sign Cam Meredith so you don't have that issue. Get a defensive player, defensive playmaker in the first round. Help your offensive line in the second round and then address your other needs later in the draft. That's what I think they should do. Yeah. I don't think 5.4 million is that is that much for 2 years. Yeah, I don't either. I, for a guy who I mean, look, we don't know what he's going to be like coming off the ACL, but any production he should be decent. He should be fine. I mean, they know better than anybody about his ACL sure they because they've had him in the building the entire time and all that. But I think that I don't think it's that much money to match. And that's why they, they structured it this way. That's why they, they tendered him this way and let him go out and they can match. So I think they will. Yeah, I, I hope they do. Well, it's got to happen in the next couple of days. So we'll see. Probably when you guys are at it, uh, you know, when the guys are, the shows are out at uh, the stretch on Monday, Cap and uh, Carmen and Yurko, that's probably when they'll do it. They'll match right there. And, yep. When Jed Hoyer sits down, you can talk about it. <laughs> Jed, your thoughts on the Bears wide receiver depth chart? <laughs> yes. Uh, Jesse's talking to a bunch of Cubs because they play at 110, so Jesse's got the ability to chat with some of them. We'll check with Jesse about that at uh, 1130. Because of that, our man was very flexible. And oh, no. the Studio Hot Rods Hotline, we welcome in our guy, Nick Friedel. Hello, Nick. Hi, guys. Hi, Nick. How are you? We appreciate you moving moving your schedule. I know it's a busy schedule yeah. on a Sunday. They probably got you going to Denver or Minnesota. Or, Minnesota. Minnesota later today. There you it's go. Happening. There you go. But at least you had a chance to see Coolio yesterday. That was crucial. That was crucial. <laughs> to get through the Bulls-Nets game last night, which was just, oh, I mean, shout out to all the people that paid money to go watch that game last night. Ay ay ay. But uh Coolio Coolio was doing his thing. I just wish guys they had they had done one, two, three, four. Uh, I wish that was one of the songs. They only did a couple songs. Gangster's Paradise you knew was gonna be there. Uh and I, I couldn't even hear the the beginning of the first song, but it wasn't one, two, three, four. Nick, but, uh, uh Nick, what how does one, two, three, four go if people don't no, know? No, 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 no. Don't be mean. Don't be mean. How am I being mean? You're, you're referencing mean. something, and uh-huh. I'm having you explain it to the listening this audience. Is not, this is not. Uh, this is not karaoke. This is not karaoke time. That's a bad I, uh, segment that the best of one thousand thought of like nine years ago. For no karaoke. Well, but hold it, hold it. Is that is that one of your karaoke songs? Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I need the I need the beat behind me. Okay, uh, there's, okay, yeah. I, I can't just mm-hmm, I can't just mm-hmm, drum it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, DMP rest for Nick. Okay, fair enough. All right, Nick, so let's talk about the Chicago Bulls then since you don't want to sing Coolio songs. Um, is it? Have you seen this season development from Fred Hoiberg as an in-game tactician? Yeah, I think this is uh, Fred's best year, Chris, no doubt. Uh, Fred's gotten more comfortable in-game making uh, subtle adjustments. Uh, he's, he's become even more comfortable with the plays he likes to call after timeouts. Uh, which they've been pretty successful at sometimes. And and then the key is, uh, I think the biggest knock on Fred uh, throughout the league and certainly uh, internally at times is that Fred is just too damn nice. 
Uh, Fred is such a nice guy uh, in general. And I think he developed more of his own presence uh, this season. And a large part of that, of course, is you don't have Jimmy Butler. Uh, you know, Wade isn't there. Rondo isn't there. You don't have a star on this team right now. Uh, so Fred could kind of carve out uh, what he wanted to run uh, with not having to deal with the massive egos that he's, uh, he's dealt with in the first couple years here uh, on varying uh, levels. So no doubt this was Fred's best season. I think he showed growth uh, for, for what he wanted to do uh, and, and what he wants uh, this team to become. And next year, I mean, every year is important, but next year is a huge year for Fred Hoiberg because he's got to show now uh, that this team that played hard most nights they were out there can continue to uh, continue to grow. And guys like Markin and, and Dunn and Levine, assuming uh, that they get the contract situation figured out this summer, those guys can continue uh, to develop and get better because there was that stretch with Nico Miritich where you went, oh, okay, this is what Fred wanted to run, <laughs> and this is what he wanted to do. Uh, for three years. So it was a good year for Fred Hoiberg. Now he just has to build off that momentum. Nick, the Bulls will take the fantastic voyage to Brooklyn to play tomorrow's game. Who is going to be sitting for that affair? Uh, Hey, Mr. Abdal, they got to sit everybody as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they played that game last night exactly how they should have. They played that game as a must-lose. And and that's what they, I mean, if, if Markkinen is on the plane going to Brooklyn, <laughs> oh, my elbow, yeah, it still doesn't feel good. He should sit. Uh, Robin Lopez, you know, if they have to play him, he should only play like 15 minutes. Uh, Justin Holiday, the same, although, you know, he wasn't very good uh, last night. Uh, Bobby Portis should get limited minutes. I mean, the... The team you should see out there in Brooklyn, because that is a crucial game for the tank, is Archie Diacono, Payne, uh, Kilpatrick, uh, Felicio, and then Omer, or whoever else is, is on the end of the bench, because they have to find a way uh, to lose that game. So Fred said it would be a day-to-day thing. Uh, you know, Robin Lopez may be done for the season already, just resting and and playing along with the tank here. So it'll be interesting to see how Fred manages the minutes, but the Bulls have to make sure that that they have no way they can win that game because they need to lose that game, and then they need to lose that last one uh, against the Pistons on Wednesday. Nick, when you joined me and Murph yesterday, we talked a little bit about Zach Levine, and we did the other day when you were, you and I worked for uh, um, Cap. But, Cap man. Yeah, when is... Uh, when do they have to make these decisions on Zach Levine? Because he's a guy that, you know, it's a big question. I know that there were some reports from him saying, listen, if it's a, a max deal or not a max deal, I'm just, I just want to show people the kind of player that I know I can be. Well, what kind of player can he be? I mean, well, you've seen an, an inconsist, inconsistent shooter. Um, obviously a guy that loves to play the game, running up and down the court because he loves slam dunking and he's really good at it. But what kind of player can he be? And, you know, what are the Bulls going to do? Are they going to wait and match? Are they going to big go, give a big enough deal? What are they going to do with him? And when's that, what's that timetable? Freddie, that is, that is literally the multi-million dollar question uh, for the summer for this team. Uh, the timetable uh, will come here in the next few months. 
I mean, free agency has to shake out. They have to figure out if there's another team, if another team appears that's going to give him that offer sheet. Uh, if I am the Bulls, though, I, I'm just telling you, I would not, I would, I, I would not give Zach Levine a ton of money. I just wouldn't do it. And if it came to, you know, Zach Levine got some offer sheet that was more than because I think for the where the Bulls are at and where Levine is at, I, I don't think I'd go more than like four years for sixty million. And uh, the issue there is. For the organization, and I know for fans, they sit there and say, well, Zach Levine was supposed to be the centerpiece of the Jimmy trade. And when they brought him along, you're, you're hearing, oh, well, he could be an all-star, he's got to develop, uh, you know, he'll be even better in this system, getting up and down the floor. But the knock on Levine was that he didn't play defense and that his offense, while it was great sometimes, and we saw that in that game against uh, the Timberwolves at the UC a couple months ago, uh, there's some nights he just kind of disappears. And, yes, he can still get better, and I think he will have a much better year next season coming off that uh, the second year of the ACL. But, Freddie, to your point, uh, the Bulls have to decide how much Levine is worth to them in the future. And given what we've seen not only this season, but in the last couple years prior to his knee injury, I'm just telling you, if it was – Anything above, you know, somewhere around, right around that $60 million mark. And even for four years, I don't know if after watching him this year, I'd want to invest uh, that much. But I I would really consider letting him walk. I really would. Because you can't, if you're trying to remake your roster, you can't commit that many years and that much money to a guy that you're not convinced is going to help you that much get to where you want to go. And the, the saving grace here for the Bulls is that Lowry Marketing is way better, way better right now than anybody thought he was going to be. So if you're the Bulls and the price gets too high, uh, you can say, ah, well, you know, we have the guy we wanted, and we have the guy that we feel like we can build around. Uh, and the issue for Levine is, on top of the fact that the Bulls are kind of in this uh, hard place with, with trying to figure out if they want to keep him or not. There are not a lot of teams, guys, as, as you all know, that have a lot of cap space to begin with. So there's not going to be much of a market uh, for a guy who really struggled this season. But uh, it's going to be fascinating because I know the Bulls like him. Pax has been on record several times as saying, this is a guy we want to keep uh, moving forward for the future. But Having watched him this year, man, oh man, I, I don't know if I'd want to to commit to that kind of marriage financially uh, with that kind of player. Nick, you've been around the Minnesota Timberwolves a lot this season. Uh, did making the trade for Jimmy Butler stunt the growth of Andrew Wiggins? Uh, Chris, that's a really good question, and I would say yes, uh, because Jimmy kind of blocked a path to being one of the 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 main faces of that team, but I would say as a uh, <laughs> as the follow-up to that point, I'm not buying Andrew Wiggins as the max player and max deal that he already, he, he already signed. And that was the issue. That's the other intriguing wrinkle to the Levine conversation is Tibbs knew he had to pay Wiggins or Levine. So Levine goes because very clearly – he thought Wiggins was a better player. Well, 
having watched Wiggins all season, and, and granted, part of that is Jimmy's been there. But, but Chris, we've watched recently in the last six weeks, Jimmy wasn't there at all. And Wiggins just kind of disappeared in a lot of these games. You weren't sure what he was going to do. Uh, and there were nights, just like with Levine, where he would be dominant, and you'd go, whoa, why don't you do this every night? But uh, Wiggins' biggest problem, like Levine, I mean, geez, there's, there's more similarities as we talk through this, is he doesn't really like to play defense, at least on a consistent basis. Why is a guy who's so athletic uh, so poor on the defensive end? You know, uh, there are a lot of reasons, but I think the knock on Wiggins this year is he just, he's kind of, he disappears. And that is when you're, when you're giving a guy a max deal, or, or even in Levine's case with the conversation we just had, when you're giving a guy multi, multi-million dollars worth of, of salary, you need him to play a certain way every night. And that is something that Andrew Wiggins has struggled with mightily in Minnesota. And that's why you know, everybody keeps asking me, because I've been around the Timberwolves so much, what do you see moving forward? And I see a team that is going to have a lot of trouble because if you're paying Andrew Wiggins what they're already paying him, and you got to pay Carl Anthony Towns what he's going to get on his max deal, and then you got to decide, all right, what are we going to give Jimmy Butler uh, potentially on his max deal? That team's just not good enough, and they don't play defense, and that is a bad mix for a group that really thought they were going to take another step this season. So they are currently eighth right now in the Western Conference playoff standings. They are tied with the Nuggets. They play the Nuggets the last game of the season. Are the Wolves going to make the playoffs? I still say yes. I still say yes, Adam. I just I watch the Timberwolves, and I go, all right, so they make the playoffs. First time in 14 years. That's great. But I'm just telling you guys right now, if they play Houston or Golden State, they are going to get annihilated it will be a very quick series. I think they have a chance against Portland, or if somehow, although that's going to be tough the way everything's shaking out, they can get up to play Utah. You know, they have a shot. But I have not been buying them all year. Uh, and, And why is that? Because Jimmy's had his best season, I'd argue, as a professional on both ends of the floor. Problem is, they don't have the edge that the Tibbs teams that we saw here in Chicago uh, had all those years. They don't, they don't play together. Uh, it's, it's disjointed sometimes. They're a really, really good offensive team. They get up and down the floor. They're a really, really bad defensive team. And you can't win in the playoffs if you're playing poor defense. And what is it that Tibbs told everybody for years here? You build your habits through the regular season. You can't turn on the switch and go, all right, well, we're going to start playing defense now because it's the playoffs. That is not how it works. And when you have a team with young players like Towns and Wiggins and they're not playing solid defensively night after night, you can't expect them in the biggest games on the, on the biggest platform in the playoffs to suddenly go, all right, well, we're going to be different now. That's not the way it works. So uh, Minnesota, that's why it's so interesting listening to their fan base. They're going to probably get to the playoffs here, Adam, but they are really upset because this was supposed to be the year uh, where they really made some noise again, and that's that's not going to be the case. Nick, I have a safe trip up to uh, Minnesota. Get ready for uh, travel and 
playoffs and NBA playoffs, they last like three months, right? I mean, it, it's it's April, May, June. The championships, what, the end of June or middle of June? June. Middle yeah, of June. like the middle okay. middle to the end of June, depending on how long that series goes. So One, like two, two, three, four, Nick. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm getting over a cold. I can't. One, two, three, four right now. I, I, I blew out everything last night on Gangster's Paradise. I apologize. There you go. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get you one of these days. Uh, right, for people, people on Twitter, they can see you. They can see you moving and jiving to the music from last night. So we appreciate it. Have a safe trip. All right, you got it. See you guys. That's Nick Friedel. He is uh, Mr. Basketball. He's going up to Minnesota. I can just imagine every single time Tibbs looks and sees him, uh, he's just going to shake his head. Fred, you asked a really good question about Zach Levine and his contract going forward. And the one thing that I keep pointing out with his game is look back to last season. A lot of people said that he was on the path to be an all-star last year before he got hurt. Okay. Well, if you actually look into the numbers, Levine had one really good month last year. He played 15 games in December. He averaged 22.7 points per game, 3.7 assists. His shooting percentages from three, he shot 46% from three. That was in December. In January of that same season last year, he played 13 games. He averaged 14.2 points per game, 2.4 assists. His three-point percentage dropped to 33%. He didn't get hurt until February. Okay. So last year, he was really good in December, came back down to earth to the same numbers we've seen this season from Zach Levine. And that, I think, should go into this conversation of, do you pay him a mega deal? I don't think so, because really, if you look at his numbers, he had one really good 15-game span last season, and that's about it. He made a name for himself in the dunk competition. Yeah, yeah, a great okay. dunker, yeah, right. sure. And then, and then, you know, everybody paid attention to him. You know, there's another player that had a really nice month. Who's Nico Meritich did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a really nice March Absolutely. one time. Yeah. And uh, even he, when he came back this year, remember he was playing very well, and he said, it's not even March yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> even he knew that he had a one good month. One good month's not going to, you know, hopefully, well, for his sake, hopefully one good month is going to get him a lot of money. But I don't see how the Bulls can do it. And I had asked earlier to Nick if the Bulls could go away from him after making this deal to get him. Because then you would still have, you know, you have to pick. You so say you got Mark yeah. and then you got done. Is that enough for moving Jimmy? Yeah, I, I think it is because I don't think you, you, if you have the cap space and you're one of the few teams that has the money, don't back yourself into a spot where now you have to pay a guy that you're unsure about. Keep the cap space. Keep moving forward. Keep developing the talent you have and see how it works out. Now, if you can get them at a good price that fits what you want, go for it. Yeah. But I would not give them a max deal, no. He is Chris Black. We've got Adam Odalami. I'm Fred Hubner. We're here till the top of the hour. We'll talk to Jesse Rogers up in Milwaukee. We come back. And don't forget, it is uh, the final round of the Masters. We've got coverage for you all afternoon long right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. spot do and it'll be John Lester to take the advance. There's a bump and it works. Yeah. That's good work, man. Great work. Five to two. Give him an RBI and a sacrifice. <laughs> so good at giving that bump down. That was a dandy. Here it comes. Swing and a miss. Cubs win. 
win. They come back in the ninth and stun the Brewers. Morrow gets his first save as a Cub. And a chance to take three out of four if they can win tomorrow. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Highlights courtesy ABC7 as the Cubs beat the Brewers a final of 5-2, to two, a four-run ninth inning. And, uh, yeah, the man on the, on the mound at the end of the game was Brandon Morrow. He had thrown two pitches up until yesterday for the Chicago Cubs. Two pitches. And uh, now he's back out there. And he was out there in a safe situation. He got the save. Went an inning, and it was good to see. And, guys, uh, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, me, I'm Fred Huebner, top of the hour. We'll go to Milwaukee and talk to Jesse in a couple minutes. I don't understand how baseball teams playing the Cubs don't know that they're going to safety squeeze. You would think that they've done it enough times by now that they would. That Every time there's a guy in third. Be ready for yeah. it, yeah. Especially if, there's a, if, John, if they bring John Lester in the pitch. <laughs> What's he, he's not going to swing away. No. You, you, they should have had. They should have had the third and first baseman playing like twenty feet from home plate. Well, yeah. I don't understand it. And I believe Len said after you know Lester's walking back to the dugout. Oh, they were staying back at the base. Yeah, like yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, because, why would you? It well, doesn't Lester, make any sense. Lester got up there. He took a couple hacks yeah. and then he laid it down. And it was a great bunt by Lester. It was a, that was a well uh, perfected play by the Cubs and. At- Getting the extra run in. You see, I mean, Madden did that with the Cubs a lot early, and now you see teams all around baseball doing it. Hmm. It makes sense. It's the easiest way to get a run in. There's a guy on third. Why swing away, hit a fly ball, line drive, strike out, whatever? Just put a bunt down. If you can get a guy to put a bunt down, you can score the guy safety squeeze. Boom, it works almost all the time. Like, I get why people are against bunting and giving up oh, the sac- free Sacrifice out. bunch, yes. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. But, like, in that situation, once you've already got a couple runs in and you're, you're now trying to keep the momentum of scoring and putting yeah. this game out of reach i love it and and you saw the way ian happ approached the bat to go opposite field just lay it in there and then you get you score the run you take the lead and the cubs get a big win and that's kind of something odd to say this early in the season but it kind of felt as the game went along that if they lost yesterday coming into today that maybe momentum would start to tilt to the fact that we saw the cubs get off to that slow start last year and maybe it's history repeating itself. But instead, you get a big win. You go for three for four today. I think all is good for the Cubs right now. Well, when you play the Reds and you play other teams, you don't, you know, you get a win. You know, okay, it's a win. You beat the Miami Marlins. That's, it's a win. But now you've got Pittsburgh coming in and you have Atlanta when the season does eventually open. I looked at my newspaper. Oh, by the way, here I, uh, I took the comics off. Oh, for thank, thank you. Oh, both sides comics from the sometimes, sometimes and the Tribune, the comics. But um, yeah, it, it is it is big anytime the the Cubs are playing the Brewers because you know you get a, a big crowd up in Milwaukee. Most of it was probably Cub fans, and you could tell by at the end of the game, most of it was. I got quickly. I got a, I got a news from uh, the South Side. The White Sox. Wow. Sent Juan Manaya down to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Juan Manaya pitched yesterday. He came in. He walked four guys. Put a run in. He didn't get anybody out, and they they came to the dugout and they said, "You're going to Charlotte." So they bring up Bruce Rondon. Bruce Rondon is a the guy they signed. He he had pitched with Detroit in the past. Scott Merkin, uh, reporting for MLB.com, WhiteSox.com, says Rondon mistakenly went to the Tigers clubhouse first this morning, going to the team where he used to pitch. To which Miguel Cabrera said, "Hey, loco, what are you doing here?" <laughs> so, so the White Sox making fun of him. Hopefully, he can do more and actually get a, awesome. a guy out. 
uh, when he pitches for the White Sox, whatever that may be. The Sox have uh, Ronaldo Lopez, really a, a fun pitcher to watch against Mike Fires today, a 110 first pitch. Cubs have Quintana against Chase Anderson. They are 4-4. Four and four. The White Sox are 3-4. and four. It's early. And um, Adam Abdallah, you get to stay here in the studio tomorrow, right? I do. Yes. Yes, I do. You don't get to go to the stretch. We don't get to go to the stretch, but you can check out David Kaplan. He'll be at the stretch starting at 9 o'clock, followed by Carmen and Yurko, noon to 2, taking you up right until Cubs opening day. Well, I should tomorrow. have actually asked Chris Black, because Chris Black also gets to stay here, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Cap you guys be going out and see Cap, uh, see Fresh his, the masters. Ma- his master's gear. I wonder if I'll have a green jacket. He will. Just for the heck of it. Uh, absolutely. Do they have replica green jackets that you can buy? No, he'll those are exclusive, the but he'll, I'm sure they have some kind of maybe vest, maybe a little vest or maybe hot pants. It could be in Masters hot pants. I think I Cap know. in a green sweater vest would go perfect. <laughs> I used, at least have some form of hat. I used to be a sweater vest kind of guy, and it's funny. Believe it or not, they're actually not necessarily out of style, believe it or not. He's a, he's a three-quarter yes. guy. That's, yeah, Zip three-quarter guy. zipper guys. Yeah. Uh, I, our next guest is not a sweater vest guy. I, I don't know that I've ever seen Jesse in a sweater, period. We go to our studio, Hot Rods Hotline. Jesse Rogers up in Milwaukee getting ready for the series finale. He's been in Milwaukee forever. They even make him pay taxes up there now. It is Jesse Rogers. Hey, Jess, what's going on? Hey, guys. Yeah, waiting on Joe Madden to address reporters, so if I have to jump off, that is why. But uh, just talked to Anthony Rizzo, I mean, three minutes ago, and the news is not great. Now, I'm not saying he's going to have a back injury for the rest of this year, but the point is this. He, his, his back tightened up a little bit more severe than he's had before. So now it's they're in new territory. How do we deal with this? In the past, when he's had a back problem, he's missed one or two days, and he comes back, and he's fine. And really doesn't miss any more time. But here it's three games. He'll be out. He won't play today. He's not sure about tomorrow. Of course, the weather there uh, in Chicago doesn't help a back either. So um, this is something they're going to have to deal with. And and it's new territory for him because it is more severe than in the past. It actually tightened up on him last Monday in Cincinnati. Game gets rained out Tuesday. They're off on Wednesday. It's tight on him Thursday. He plays through it and then has to sit out these next three games. So it's been tight since last Monday on uh, lower back, and um, that's not good news. That's not good news. I'm, I was a little surprised he wasn't in the lineup today, and that tells you uh, that it's a different situation for him. Now, they don't think it's going to be long-term. They do think they'll, they'll loosen up fine, but they're, they're in a new territory in terms of how to deal with it moving forward. So, Jesse, is there any more backstory to the back situation and the fact of the slow start and, and Rizzo and the back and everything? Is there any more to this? Well, I mean, he's had this in the past, the exact same thing, where it will tighten up on him, but it's been so short-term, and it's not like it pops up every month. It's once, maybe twice a year for the last three years, and it's nothing more than that. And it's almost like it gives him a day or two off anyway, right? Like, Joe would rest him, well, let's use use this time to rest your back. So it's never been a problem. Um, Now, I, I didn't really ask him about the slow start because he's had slow starts before, and he only said that it tightened up on him last Monday. So whatever he was doing before that, I don't think he had to do with the back. Um, so that, that is the back story right there. He's had it in the past, but nothing serious. He's never missed more than two straight games. And here we are three in a row and almost a week where it's, where it's bothered him. So he didn't aggravate and take an extra batting practice because of his slow start. He doesn't think so. He okay. doesn't think so. I mean, nobody knows for sure. Okay. Um, now, I'm trying to think when he took extra batting practice exactly. Uh, but if it tightened up on him last Monday and they were off Tuesday, Wednesday, 
I'm not sure you can blame sure. anything more than, than he's got a, a bad back, you know. So that's the situation at hand. He's not sure about tomorrow. My guess would be no with the cold weather and the fact that they're off on Tuesday. And that's really disappointing for him. The home opener and Anthony Rizzo isn't out there. So I don't know. I don't think he plays before Wednesday. So obviously this is more of a concern than I would have thought uh, two days ago when they announced he was out because I've seen this act before actually in Milwaukee. He missed two games last year in Milwaukee, and then he was fine. So, you know, to be alarmed uh, until this moment, uh, I think you you would have been jumping the gun. But now that he's out a third straight day, I think you got to worry about it a little bit. I don't know if you had a chance to speak to Kyle Schwarber, Jesse, but he's been struggling recently at the plate. What's the story with Schwarber? You see him on those high pitches. I mean, there's no doubt that's the scouting report. They're trying to go upstairs on him, and he started to – to get into a bad habit again. That's that's the deal. Uh, and he's got to, he, it's not hitting that pitch. He's got to lay off that pitch. Uh, took a couple check swings. I thought he had a good at bat and drew a walk yesterday. I can't remember which one, which at bat it was, where they went upstairs, 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 and he finally laid off. Um, so that's the deal. When he's swinging up there, no, once in a blue moon, he'll, he'll crush the ball, but that's not the formula for success. You've got to lay off that pitch, make them come down, and uh, throw one in the, in the hitting zone. And uh, he hasn't done that in the last couple of days. How how big was that hit for uh, Ian Happ in the, in the uh, ninth inning? I mean, huge, absolutely huge. I mean, I like what Joe said afterwards. Uh, that's one where the, the, the your dinner tastes better, you sleep better. You said if his dog's on the road with him, you, you you love your dog a little bit more. It just was. And and I, and I asked Happ yesterday the the obvious. You know, instead of saying how frustrating was it, I asked him is it frustrating to strike out so much or something like that? He's like, uh, yeah, it's frustrating as hell, but that hit made a big difference psyche, you know, psychological wise, because he was in a rut. So yes, uh, absolutely. Now we'll see what, it, what, you know, how it carries over to his next game, but any little bit helps, you know, when you're striking out that much, even if you make an out, but you make contact, it helps, let alone winning a game in the ninth inning after striking out, you know, several times earlier. So, no doubt that's a huge lift. He's not in the lineup today, so we won't know until at least tomorrow what the carryover effect is. I was going to say, big enough to keep him out of the lineup today, though, right? That's Joe. That's Joe. He, I mean, one hit's not going to change Joe's mind. First of all, uh, do you, would you say that Ian Happ is not struggling anymore because of one hit? No. <laughs> you, you would look at his, the, the, his total package and say, yes, he's struggling. Uh, but it's the matchup. It's the matchup. Uh, Anderson's on the mound. They, they've got that rotating outfield. and. Um, uh, Bai is going to sit today, so Zobris is at second base, and Joe's going to put in the, the guys that fit the Anderson matchup the best. That's the bottom line. Okay, I, I got a question here. When I look at lineup, and you 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 sat with Joe and in his hotel room last year, and he told you about lineups and that. The other day, he had I don't know if it was Hap or Almora, but he had Hap. He had the leadoff man, then he had Zobris, then he had Bryant. Today, he has Almora, then he has Bryant back to two, and Zobris three. Why isn't Zobris hitting two and Brian three? I don't know. It just doesn't seem to make much sense to me. That's Madden, Fred. That's just Madden. <laughs> just, you know what? I will ask him right now and call you back if your show's still going because he's about to talk to reporters. I don't okay. have an answer for you. Okay, okay. See, see if you talk can find you out. Talk to you, Jess. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, the way you guys just did that, can we do that again? <laughs> but at the end, after you say that's Madden, can we do it like... <laughs> like it's a sitcom? Well, no, like I... Okay, so it's Madden this, and so the studio the audience laughs. <laughs> Yesterday they win, right? Yeah. And they win in the ninth inning. They were the the bats were struggling. You had Bryant who had the the home run, and that was it. And then the, the bats came alive somewhat in the ninth inning, and they got the win. But 
Like, let's say this today, they don't score any runs. And then, like, when is the, that's mad and, oh, it's, this is cute again. When is this going to, like, eventually you have to have some consistency because guys like batting in the same spot. And if they continue to struggle producing runs, that's Madden isn't going to fly anymore. I always wonder how much of it is Madden and how much of it is Ivy, the computer that says. Yeah, yeah it's an organ- organizational it, philosophy. Yeah. I don't think it's just Joe Madden. Yeah. They give him the options and then he puts into play what he's given. But it didn't, I mean, it surprises me that he's got Zobris hitting three with Bryant two without having Rizzo there. Why would you not go Elmora, Zobris, and then Bryant three? Because he's your biggest run producer. Now people right now, somewhere you're driving and you're saying, Bryant's a better hitter than Zobris. You have your better hitters bet higher in the order. Okay, well then Elmora wouldn't be number one. Okay, so just leave that conversation alone. Um, if you're going to have Elmora leading off and you had Zobris the other day betting two with Bryant three, I don't know why you wouldn't do it again today. But maybe Jesse will get an answer from him and you know, we can read about it on Twitter. Do you think he really meant that he'll call us back before noon? He's he, he'll try to call us back, but we'll already be done. It'll be 12:05. Yeah, we'll be, yeah, we'll yeah. Be because when we come back, when we come back, we're going to do more uh hole or no hole. Or if that hole was or yes. not, hole or not a hole. <laughs> there is, like, there hole is or a big difference hole. between hole or no hole and hole or not a hole. Do you guys want uh, your comic no, for the week? Yes, I would like my okay. comic. Uh, let's go to Sherman's Lagoon. Sherman's Lagoon. Sherman's Lagoon. Oh, this was like a little shark guy. Uh, two little sharks, and they're, uh, the, the first picture is uh, two sharks. Uh, you can see the fins out of the water. Okay. And there are two sharks sitting at the bottom of the, of the ocean. It looks like a couple. You have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Megan, are we one of those couples? What couples? You know, the couples have been married for so long that we can say what the other one is thinking, and there's a picture of them trying to think. The kind that can finish each other's sentences... Well, let's give it a try. You start a sentence. All right. Megan, I'd like to take you out for a nice dinner tonight. Didn't work. Yes, it did. See what happened? <laughs> See what happened there? Abdallah with Sherman's Lagoon. Okay. Uh, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, me, I'm Fred Hubner. We'll wrap this up and wait for Jesse to call us. We come back after this on ESPN 1000. See Chicago's Game Day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I'm easy like Sunday morning. Al Sofire, no answer from Joe Madden. We are waiting. Nothing from Jesse. You can follow Jesse. Uh, he is, uh, is he at Jesse Rogers or at ESPN Shy Cubs? At ESPN Shy Cubs. Okay. At ESPN Shy Cubs on Twitter, no doubt Jesse will respond because if he does not have an answer before we're out of here in three and a half minutes, then uh, he won't be able to call us. We have, Our Masters coverage starts at one, correct? Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Masters Sunday. Oh. Sunday at the Masters. Oh. Yes. So Patrick Reed and uh, Rory McIlroy in the lead. Ricky Fowler at lurking. The top. Yeah, you know what? It'd be cool Third. to see him. It'd be cool to see him jump up and make it make it interesting. He's five shots off the lead in third place. So the leaders, Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy, tee off at one forty today. So guys, you get a chance. You have time to get home. Absolutely, get your snacks ready. You know, sit and watch uh, my master's spread. Yes, get get ready and watch eighteen <laughs> holes of the leaders. There will there will be nothing that puts me to sleep faster for my afternoon nap than a, one TV on golf and one TV on baseball. Well, is the nap? They, 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 it works very well. Is the nap Sunday at the Masters the best nap of the sports year? Probably. It's pretty close. With that on yeah. in the background with the music playing. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful, <laughs> yes. right? 
And the you music have very nice is, dreams. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. Yeah. You got the little very cabin relaxing. there. The, that that weird deal with the cabin. Why? I, I don't get it. And the and jackets. And I, I, mean, hear, I think more of the story that we really right. need to hear is, is did Sergio Garcia go home and then come back? <laughs> I want to know that. Yeah. That's what someone, Jim Nance has to ask him that. Sergio, as you turn your jacket over to the new winner, did you go back to Spain uh, and then come back? <laughs> or where exactly did you do the last two days since you didn't make the cut? He just um, hung out with Cap. Jim, I would rather not speak about it. So this guy, this bald guy came up to me and he was like, hey there, buddy Sparkles. And I'm like, okay, now I need to leave town. Um, have you seen Get Out? You know, I have it on DVR and then I had it, then I got the DVD. Mm-hmm. So I got it off my DVR and I still have not watched it. Okay. Well, but I, I mean, know you've, I seen, you've yeah. seen the master, so yeah. you, you know the theme you here. Understand. Yeah, uh, and uh, the music is basically the teacup uh, in the movie and it puts everyone into a trance once you hear it. Yeah. Into the sunken place. There it is. I just got chills. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Fred wants to play hole, hole or not a hole. Hole or not a hole. Yes, uh, I do. So all weekend, Abdal and I have been asking the question, is this a hole at Augusta National or is it completely made up? I'm 5-0. and oh. Let's do this. Let's end on a high note. Abdal is really good at this. Okay. Uh, I don't know why or how. Maybe he's cheating. Not. Um, so let's try this. I think this. he reviewed all of them before he came here. Let's try this one. Hole or not a hole? Golden Bell. Hmm. I'm going hole. I think that's a hole. You guys are both correct. That is a hole at Augusta National. The Which 12th one? hole. 12th hole. A part okay. three. I think uh, Cap was sitting outside the 12th hole. He said he was sitting there and yeah. then he moved over to a- Amen Corner. It's a par three. All okay. right. One, one last one. Hole or not a hole at Augusta National? Magnolia. No. Not a hole. I'm going with the guy outside. He says not a hole. Not a hole. Y'all are wrong because what? that's the fifth hole at Augusta National, a nice. par four. That's what I get for listening yeah. to the yeah. There the you go. So the guys in the streets are always right. Uh, See, we did you our, know, it, it's a craze uh, sweeping the nation, hole or not a hole, uh, Fred. We did our own man on the street, and uh, we went with him, and he was wrong. <laughs> Taking over colleges everywhere. <laughs> so thanks to James Herbert from CBS talking to NBA, Jesse Rogers, Nick Friedel. And Joe Madden for pulling Jesse away from us. And <laughs> Cap, David Kaplan. You can find Cap and Carmen and Yurko. They're at the stretch the tomorrow. Stretch. Opening day comes baseball. Thanks to Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, Eric Ostrowski. I'm Fred Huebner. Thanks for listening at ESPN 1000.